Blood. It's a bodily fluid that courses through the bodies of humans and animals. Blood delivers necessary substance, such as nutrients and oxygen, to the cells to transport metabolic waste product away from those same cells. And it looks pretty cool splattered against the fucking wall. Bloody movies on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Welcome, one and all, to another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I am your host, Insane Mike, and this episode we'll be talking about blood movies. Okay, break it down for you. What that actually means is movies with the word blood in the title. Uh, If you've never heard our show before, what Attack of the Killer Podcast is about is that basically we're a group of friends, or we pretend to be friends, where we sit down (laughs) with a topic... (laughs) And I figured I'd say that yeah. before John says something. You <laughs> exactly. know he would. What? Um, <laughs> where we sit down with a topic and openly discuss movies that fit into that topic. So it's kind of a free-for-all discussion, and we definitely get into spoilers, so everybody out there be warned. I want to say straight up, Attack of the Killer Podcast is a proud member of the Phantom Podcast Network. And you can go to the network by going to downrightcreepy.com backslash phantom check out many 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 different shows on the network such as a to z horror classic horror club final girls the horror cast nightmare junkhead and many more including us attack of the killer podcast now before we get into our topic it is time to introduce you to the podcast crew He's gonna drain he's gonna drain all the blood from his victims' bodies, but he didn't get a single drop of it, so it was all in vain. John Stalter, everybody. Oh, in vain. Oh. Hi, buddy, I think. <laughs> he hates everything so much that his blood type is negative. Jason Bollinger. Oh. <laughs> I'm surprised oh. that one wasn't mine. No, yeah, I thought I'd mix it up. Yeah. Hi guys. <laughs> The only test he ever got a high score on was the blood alcohol content test. Brian Clark. (laughs) Wow, hitting a little close to the mark tonight. (laughs) Hey, better a bottle in front of me than a frontal phlebotomy. That's right. (laughs) That's the app medical pun. Suck it up. (laughs) He knows big words occasionally. And lastly, it's her time of the month. When her electric bill is due. What were you guys thinking? Oh. Terry Turford, everybody. Oh, gross. <laughs> hey, guys. And Dustin Neal couldn't be with us. He had an appointment at the blood bank this afternoon, and he got confused and went to the sperm bank instead, so that led for a very confusing <laughs> afternoon for him. <laughs> so before we get into uh, before we get into the show deep... I'd like to take what? <laughs> I'd like to take a moment and and um, ask you all to check out our Patreon page. Your donations help keep the show going. Also helps us improve the show and get the show out there to more listeners. So go to patreon.com/backslash aotkp 
And we have various tiers where you could donate and get various different rewards for your donations. So check it. Okay. And if, if you like don't, the... we'll be shedding tears. Aww. Aww. <laughs> no, nobody wants to get the men of Attack of the Killer podcast uh, 2017 calendar. <laughs> Knew I shouldn't have printed off, printed off 300 of those things, but, you know. <laughs> Still time to get them, folks. Be careful. There's sick fucks out there. They're gonna it's actually just all pictures of Jason. Oh. So. oh. <laughs> Jason's like, I want all 300 of those. <laughs> okay. So, before we talk about blood movies, we should probably get into find out what's going on in the world of horror with some killer news. Now it's time for killer news. Straight from the headlines on attack on the killer podcast. All right. Well, uh, first up, there's a pretty exciting uh, new box set coming out from Scream Factory later this year. It's uh, coming out in June. It's a Paul Nashy box set. Whoa. Who? Oh. Oh, come on. Oh, come. You live with Mike. You know who I Paul meant, Nashy is. So you could tell him. <laughs> um. Yeah, well, Paul Nashy is, uh, he's sort of the Spanish, I don't want to say Vincent Price, that's not quite right, Boris Karloff, maybe, anyway, basically, he he's most famous for playing a character named Valdemar Daninsky, who is his Wolfman character, sort of his Larry Talbot, and he did him in a whole bunch of movies, but he, he grew up loving the Universal Monsters, and he wanted to... He sort of did the same thing that Hammer did, but in Spain, updating Universal Monsters in color with more blood, more nudity, because there was none of either of those things <laughs> back in the 30s. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, so the movies that are going to be in this collection are Vengeance of the Zombies, Horror Rises from the Tomb, Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll, Night of the Werewolf, and Human Beasts. Nice. Yeah, and so that's uh, I'm pretty stoked about that because you know the last year or so, aside from one here or there, I honestly haven't been that excited about what Scream Factory is doing anymore. They kind of went away from doing the weird, obscure stuff, and we're just doing like a lot of really obvious titles or a lot of really not that interesting titles. So it's good to see them getting back into some uh, some more off kilter European sleaziness. Hells to the yeah. All I care about is Serial Mom. <laughs> they're, Sorry, doing, Brian. they're doing a Blu-ray Serial Mom? Or? Yeah. It comes nice. out right before Mother's Day. Like, right before my birthday. It's like, that's all I want. Sweet. I need to get that. And, like, I can't remember who put it out. I don't I don't think it was Scream Factory. Maybe you guys might know. But Multiple Maniacs is on Blu-ray. First time it's been released since VHS. Damn. Well, I thought, I thought it was Criterion. Is it Criterion? Like Criterion? Well, they're, they're releasing remember. John Waters, but I'm trying to remember if that's the one. Yeah, I Either can... way, Criterion is releasing John Waters. I'm pretty yeah. sure. That's crazy. What? That's awesome. But I couldn't remember who I couldn't remember who it was because all I all I heard was multiple maniacs on Blu-ray, and then I was done. You know, it's like I can re- retire my uh, old VHS copy. Yeah, it's going to be Criterion, so you know it's going to be awesome. Wow. Yeah, because I think aren't they also? Now that I think about it, aren't they also doing like some of his uh, earlier films on that same disc, like uh, Eat Your Makeup well, and? I'm not really sure. I'm not seeing anything, but it comes out in May, so that's 
That's all I care just about. A, just a second. You guys aren't even making sense. You're using the word criterion and John Waters <laughs> in the same <laughs> sentence. No, like, I don't even... Sense. No. Yes, it does. Yes. Totally. Yes, Absolutely. it does. He, 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 you may not like his stuff <laughs> or whatever, but he is extremely important to uh, film in general. Because oh, he definitely yeah. took trash to a whole other level. Absolutely. He's I the Pope of Trash. I couldn't agree more, man. Couldn't agree more. He's also one of my heroes. And uh, oh, mine too, big time. Um, well, and and not just that, but just like uh, independent, you know, what he's done for independent cinema, you know, like he's like one of the true original do-it-yourself family filmmakers. Mm-hmm. And he made a. F- and he's on Simpsons, so you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's made it. Yeah, he's he, but he's still trashy as fuck. Love him. <laughs> uh, did you ever hear that uh, a few years back the that article that was like John Waters wants to remake Pink Flamingos but with children? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would have been people would have been careful. arrested. Yeah, I was gonna say carefully how you finish that sentence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we got way off the way off the reservation there. Sorry, yeah, that, that's good. It's, it's, it's still news. Uh, Get Out is doing fantastic at the box office. Last its opening weekend, it did uh, thirty-three point four million, oh. and it's up to around forty million now, I believe. And nice. it cost less than five million to make. So, in less than a week, it made roughly ten times its budget back. It's not too shabby. I heard that it is it has taken over the number one spot of um, biggest box office uh, for a Bloomhouse film. Like as far as oh yeah, films go, it's taken over first place. That surprises me. As big a deal as the Conjuring movies were, because those are Bloomhouse, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that Jordan Peele being involved was a big draw for a lot of people, too. I think people went <laughs> seeing, like, seriously, this comedian really going to pull something off? And then, yeah. Like, yep, he did. See, I Has know anyone I seen it? Not I haven't yet. seen it yet. I want to, but I haven't heard a single bad thing about it. Like, everybody has said it lives up to the hype. Yeah. The theater in my town has opted not to carry it same, before, same for, for fear of racial backlash. Oh, what? Really? Because Mason what? City are a bunch of douchebags. I assume that's why well, we, we knew were. that. And, yeah, well, we haven't had it either. <laughs> yeah. But, well, I look forward to seeing it this Iowa. <laughs> well, But here's the funny thing. A little podunk nowhere town about 30 miles north of here is getting it at their one screen, like, almost always family movie only theater for a week starting Friday. So I'm going to go check it out up there. Maybe they think it's another Medea movie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it could be, but I know the guy who owns that theater and he's pretty cool. So I'm guessing he did that on purpose, knowing full well what it was and realizing, Hey, I have an opportunity here (laughs) because those idiots in Mason city decided not to carry it. Yeah. Yeah. That is dumb. That's a very dumb reason not to carry that movie. I listened to a podcast that reviewed the movie and and it's a podcast full of very very white people, you know, as white as you can get and they, you know, it and it's not over they say it's not like I mean there's obviously a message there, but it's not like in your face and preachy about it, so it's just a really good horror movie. Yeah, but 
ignorant people don't think about those things. Yeah, that's true. They just hear it's a socially relevant movie and assume that because most of the pickup trucks here in town have Confederate flags in their back windows, then somebody's <laughs> going to firebomb the theater if they show it. <clears throat> because once again, douchebags. Yeah. Then, starting last weekend on March 5th and running through May 28th, there's going to be a uh, an installation of the Guillermo del Toro At Home with Monsters at the Minneapolis Institute of Arts. So anyone listening who is actually in the area, kind of more or less where we're from, who wants to see Guillermo del Toro's Monster Stuff collection, you can head on up to Minneapolis and see it. Mike and Jason and I will be there next weekend, so if you want to come see it with us come up there next weekend on Saturday. Uh, Rather than a chronology of films, the exhibit is organized thematically, beginning with visions of death, the afterlife, going through magic, occultism, horror, monsters, and concluding with representations of innocence and redemption. So it's a a collection of paintings, drawings, maquettes, artifacts, uh, concept art, all from Del Toro's Bleak House, which is the second house he built to house all of his cool stuff because he's awesome and can afford to do that. And wouldn't we all love to have an extra house just to fill with our toys and crap? Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, Jason could with his Transformers build uh, another house. But that house would have to be able to transform as well. I'm right. <laughs> right. If I'm building a house, it's going to transform into a robot. <laughs> And uh, has anyone seen the trailer for Rock, Paper, Dead? Tom well, Holland's yep. new movie? Watched it before we started recording. Looks pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I don't have a goddamn clue what's going on in the trailer. Oh, it doesn't yeah. really give you much idea of what's happened <laughs> yeah. in the movie, but as you say, it looks interesting. Yeah, It's Tom Holland. We'll watch it. Yeah. Absolutely. Back in the driver's seat. That's right. Man, how long is it? I meant to look, too. On how long it's been since he's directed something. I meant to look before we jumped on and I forgot. I don't think he's done anything for a couple decades at least, right? Well, he did the Masters of Horror. Oh, that's true. I can't, I, I can't remember in... which episode, but I know he did it. Well, and then he was involved with the Tom Holland's Tales of Horror, or whatever the hell it's called. Oh. Did he direct any of it? Didn't he just produce all that stuff? He might have just produced it. I'm not really sure. I think I own it, but that doesn't mean much. Yeah, it looks like it could be interesting. It kind of looks like it's got a lot of his like uh, Hitchcockian influences, in particular Rear Window, which is, seems to be a common theme for him. Um, you know, just based on what I saw in the trailer, looks like it could go down that path. But yeah, I'm excited. Now, do we know if it's getting a theatrical or? No, I, I don't anyway. Okay. Um, I'd sure I'd, imagine not by looking yeah. at it. Yeah. If it does, probably a limited, you know, small theaters in big cities kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. But when movies are done like that, typically they're released simultaneously on VOD, so you can, you know, you don't have to wait another three months to see them until they're done making the circuit of the 
12 theaters that they actually <laughs> get shown in. Awesome. Anyone else got anything? I don't have any news. Anybody? Nope. 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 Well, cool. Well, thank you very much for for the news there, Brian. Pre- much appreciated. And now it's time to talk about some blood movies. Blood. Movies with the word <laughs> blood in the title. Blood grosses me out. I don't know if I can handle this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Where to start? Where to start? Hmm. Terry, why don't you start us off with the movie? Well, because I'm, I'm assuming you probably <laughs> probably ended up watching more this past couple weeks than than the rest of us. Oh, I doubt it. Oh, I really? didn't get to that many. <laughs> oh, oh, slow. I bet you Brian watched the most, but I'll start anyway. Um, I watched a Blood Glacier. Okay. Anyone? Oops. Yeah, yeah yep. that, that's a cool one. Yeah, pretty uh, interesting. Um, kind of pulls a lot of, I mean, a lot of the same feel as The Thing, for sure. Yeah. Even though it's, I mean, there's definitely some differences. But uh, basically, it's about these people <clears throat> who are out in the Arctic and they're uh, out remember exactly where they are i can't even remember it's it's uh, an austrian film so anyway um and they're you know they're talking about global warming and all that in the beginning and they're studying the the glaciers and they're melting and all that well they see this glacier that looks red like blood what um, so they go to study it and blah blah blah. Well, things get weird when they discover that there were these microorganisms that were frozen in the layers that are now melting away due to global warming. And basically, these microorganisms cause um, crazy mutations in animals. Um, Something like if you, like an animal, it starts with a fox, um, drinks the the glacier melt, and it basically eats those microorganisms. And then when the fox eats some bugs, like the bugs enter his stomach and like the microorganisms make it go all crazy. And then the fox has a new mutant thing bust out of its stomach which is like a bug slash fox hybrid. And it's just like an ongoing process, like all these different animals, like combining with all these other different animals. And it's kind of crazy. Yeah, definitely crazy. (laughs) I watched that one for the first time, maybe a year or so ago, whenever it first popped up on Netflix. And I watched it with the dub. Yeah. And oh my god, I mean, I I am no stranger to bad dubbing. <laughs> but that that is seriously one of the worst English dubs of a foreign language movie I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> all all of the dubbing actors sound like they're 20 years younger than the characters. Like 
they 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 almost sound like they're just barely able to not laugh the whole time they're doing it like they sound it makes it all the dialogue comes off as very lighthearted and they're in a pretty dire situation you know they're all going to get eaten by these weird mutant uh, mountain creatures and like it was so much so to the point that i actually thought it was trying to be a comedy the first time I watched it, and I was like, wow. I, the, t- "The tone is fucked up, and the monsters look cool, but the this like I'm not getting the the performances, and I just I didn't care for it." So when it came around to doing this episode again, I thought, "Well, what the hell? I'll give it another chance." And about 15, 20 minutes in, I realized, "Oh, you can fiddle with the settings on Netflix." <laughs> so I switched it over to the German language track with the English subtitles, and holy shit, did that make it a different movie? Crazy. So. So if any of you out there listening to this go, oh, that sounds neat, I want to watch that. If you get it up on Netflix or if you rent the Blu-ray or whatever, make sure you watch it in the original language with the subtitles. I'm not just being a film snob. It it will be vital to your enjoyment of the movie that you don't listen to that dog shit dub. But I don't like reading my movies. Well, then don't I'm fucking kidding. watch it. <laughs> I've actually owned that movie on DVD for I don't know how long. And I finally watched it, but I didn't watch the DVD. I just put it on Netflix. <laughs> it is. So I paid like because you, who wants to get up and go over to the shelf when you're sitting down at the remote? You can just Well, and that may have been purchased since the last time that I reorganized my movie, so God knows where it's actually at. So I'm like, fuck it. Netflix it is. Uh, yeah. I laugh, but I did the exact same thing. <laughs> exactly. Exact same scenario. I've owned that movie for years. Yeah. I did that with Jurassic Park the other day. I'm like, fuck it, it's on Netflix. Click. <laughs> yeah, it really is crazy how much the tone changes when you between having the dub on and not having it on. Because I started with the dub because I was working on something else as I was watching. Um, and then when I switched it over to the non-dubbed version, it was so much better. Like... The movie just seemed so overly cheesy with that dub. It was insane. And it's really not that bad. I mean, it has some, you know, a couple of cheesy effects, but most of it's, like, really fun, practical stuff. It was... Yeah, I really like yeah. the, the, the creatures in it and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Dub, I would definitely avoid unless you hate reading. I think my favorite monster was the fox beetle. How about anybody else? Yeah, that, that was, was up so, there. Oh. I did also oh. like. I also like the giant sized roly poly. Yeah, the, the pedal bug, as I call. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I kind of liked the. Uh, what was it like a caribou or? Oh, oh like the, the like the mountain goat with the big curly yeah. with the ram the ram yeah like the, a ram yeah whatever but it had bug wings slash insect yeah <laughs> weird fun yeah the. The movie left me with some questions that I don't think they put the thought, like, okay, for one thing, how did this microorganism get trapped? Like, this seems like a thing that uncontrolled would spread everywhere, so why is it only in this glacier, and how did it wind, how did that much of it, that it would turn an entire glacier red? Yes. Carpenter rule. No, oh. fuck you. You can't just do that every time. Sometimes yeah, they really, yeah, they really I mean, didn't uh, give any history. Is it like, is it you know, of alien origin? Like, yeah, like well, yeah, they didn't. 
it being really, frozen in a glacier, I just assumed it was prehistoric. Yeah, that's kind of what I assumed. Like it was I mean, one of those. Like, yeah, they didn't say it, but I assumed that was going to be the movie's explanation for oh, this thing caused the dinosaurs to go extinct because that's a pretty popular. You know, when you have some catastrophic thing that gets thought out of the ice, that's always the oh well, this is what killed the dinosaurs. Um, well, and they said, I mean, this um, the one scientist uh, she said that you know it was something that was uh, had already been studied previously, I guess. Because she knew what it was, and she compared it to something in the book that she had. So, hmm. I don't know. <laughs> but and and it, it causing the dinosaurs to go extinct would kind of explain why it was no longer prevalent in the world, because it killed off its entire, uh, you know, every potential vector species it could infect was extinct through it. Right. But then again, why am I doing all this work for the movie? <laughs> <laughs> See, just go with Carpenter rule and just call it good. It was enjoyable. And why a, a disease that had that drastic and aggressive an effect would burn itself out so quickly, that seems like kind of an evolutionary dead end for it to get that vicious. But then again, you've got things like the hemorrhagic fevers, like Ebola and the hantavirus now which are not much less nasty than that. And there are some diseases that have a tendency to be so virulent that they destroy their entire uh, host population and, and end up dying off themselves because there's no way for them to carry on at the, at the rate of infection and the aggressiveness of the infection that they are. So... Yeah, but again, well, it just, it I'm just doing seems all like, the work for the filmmakers. Yeah, here. like this one, like the um, the spread of this, I think, would be so far, um, far spread. It's just, uh, you know, you can get infect bugs, you can infect birds, you know, animals that travel long distances in a short amount of time. I just feel like it would be an epidemic in a short period of time, which they don't really stop it either. So, well. I mean, we're not. I'm gonna try not to spoil anything, but come on, that creature that they take with them, the baby the dog, the ba- yeah, the baby <laughs> dog, human baby dog. Like, yeah, let's take that. I my instinct would be kill it, kill it now, kill it with fire. Make sure that this does <laughs> yeah. not move on Whoa. in life. But they're like, oh, it's cute. Boys, I don't, kid. Like, no, this I don't is think. She's like, didn't you see her fucked up eye though? I think she's already infected. I think yeah, she's I bringing it back to oh, true. the world yeah. as a, as you know, she, yeah, baby dog, kid dog, whatever also you want to call of, it. One of the worst effects in the movie. <laughs> yeah, that didn't work for me. Luckily, you don't see it too much. Yeah, I just felt bad for the puppy. Yeah. Yes. I just want to watch a really least, good horror movie where an animal doesn't die. <laughs> but at least in this one, the movie earns it. Like, the dog is an emotional tie between him and his ex, and mm-hmm. its death advances the plot. Like, there's yes. a reason for it. It's not just, oh, we're going to kill a dog because that'll shock people. Like, it's, right. it's, it's not lazy, and it's not often that you get a movie killing off a cute animal where the movie actually earns it. John Wick earned it. <laughs> Just saying. Well, because yeah. there wouldn't be a movie without that. Exactly. Make me go ape shit, too. I'd start killing people with pencils. <laughs> Don't hurt my puppy. <clears throat> so, do we think. I wanted to see this. Oh. Uh, it's just, yeah. 
was just going to say, do we think the filmmakers were highly influenced by the thing on this movie? Yes. I think so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, it, but I mean, it still sets itself apart enough. Yeah, it's and different it's enough. Enjoyable. And that's yeah. the thing. Like, I'm, I'm hoping, like, they were just influenced by it, but we're really hoping for a different story, a different tone. Because it's totally way different, you know. You know. Oh yeah. You you don't get that whole claustrophobic bleakness bleakness of the of the thing with this movie. But you could draw definitely a lot of parallels. For sure. And like the creatures and the, the factors and that yeah the scenery yep. And the way that the the organism acts as a sort of uh, genetic splicing machine yeah. that yeah you know each because they you know the thing can turn into whatever life forms it's eaten previously so i mean yeah that that's similar yeah highly influenced but yeah like you said you don't get the claustrophobic uh vibe as much because they can go outside because the whole point mm-hmm. of the movie is global warming has f- freed this thing from the ice and so it's basically like springtime outside and it's in Austria, so I guess it's like springtime for Hitler. But anyway. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> You're my hero, Brian. And, and, you, and you don't have the, the... That song is amazing. Come on, the producers is great. But anyway. It's a good song. You're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> and you don't get the um, the paranoia and the tension that like the thing has. Because with the thing, it could be anybody. You know, and it, you don't really get that... Uh, you don't really get that suspense with this one because with this practically the second it gets in you you start turning into a monster very visibly and very painfully so it's pretty easy to figure out where the danger is coming from exactly yeah but still a fun a fun little movie by my one of my big questions though just one last thing the girl the random girl yeah. who is she just like hiking up in the mountains all by herself? That's like, my guess. <laughs> which is also stupid. There was nothing for anywhere anywhere near there other than their outpost. And then there's just this girl who happens to be attacked in the general vicinity of where they are. It was just it just seemed weird to me. Like, um you're a little off the beaten path there, hun. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely way better than you think going into a movie mm-hmm. called Blood Glacier. I don't it's know. Whenever I true. see it, whenever I see a new monster movie, I immediately get really excited, and my expectations become unreasonable. So <laughs> it was it was actually a little less than what I thought. But then the first time watching it with that fucking Christ awful dub <laughs> made the second watch go down a lot smoother because like, oh, this is actually a good movie. It's just. You have to watch it a particular way, but now are you are you literally saying it's the worst dub ever? I'm not. I I, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say it okay. is the worst dub ever. We've all seen worse. But okay, because I was going to say, but, have you but, ever you ever seen? But it zom- is one of them. Have you ever seen Doom. Zombie Doom, aka Zombie. Violent Chip Part yes, Three? <laughs> I certainly have. The world is full of piss and shit and now these tin masked assholes are puking in our faces full of shit yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that was a verbatim, quote. verbatim. Yeah. Andre, Andreas Schnoss is uh, quite the uh, quite <laughs> the, the bard I, that's the I, worst can't, I can't wait for the violent shit box set yeah who's putting that out <laughs> synapse of course somebody that wants to lose some money 
Well, I fucking want it. <laughs> I've, I I've never seen part one and two. I've only seen the zombie. I like god awful crap. I want it. I want it now. I wanted it three years ago. <laughs> They're and, spending the money to put that fucking turd out, and yet they just put out the Coffin Joe trilogy, but only on DVD, not on Blu-ray. What the hell is that? Well, what the oh. hell? Yeah, the original three Coffin Joe movies from the 60s. They'd Synapse just put those out in a box set not too long ago, but they're only but, on DVD. Not Blu-ray. That's weird. Yeah. Uh, John, have you seen the other two Violent Shit movies? No, but it's one of those uh, things that I've just always wanted to see because I love crap like that. You know, the shot on video. Oh, yeah. Just gore fest. I mean, I, I love... So- I'm, not a, I'm not an expert by any means in that field, but I just love shit like that. Oh like yeah, something like something we could just make on the weekend, you know, for the fuck of it. Like literally, just everything's one take, just disgusting and no plot. Yeah, definitely. Me too. All the way, hundred percent. I love that stuff. And and that those movies I could never get my hands on. Okay, back to the uh, late eighties, early nineties of the bootlegging days, and. Never got around to getting my hands on any of those, so there was kind of like a uh, urban legend kind of thing around those movies. This is like a pure fascination of what the fuck could this be, you know? <laughs> and uh, yeah, when I saw Zombie Doom, when I saw that Zombie Doom was AKA Violent Ship R three, I freaking snagged that up in a heartbeat. But oh, it's I can watch it with the volume off, but it's so, unless I'm forcing somebody else to watch it for the pure entertainment value of watching their jaw drop, I uh, I can't sit through it with that dub so bad. But to think, like, like you were talking about, that is something we could make on a weekend for, you know, money you dig out of the couch cushions. But Blood Glacier is a... You know, a fairly well-made, you know, I can't imagine the budget was huge, but it's a professional movie. I mean, it was shot well. The effects are cool. They obviously had a, you know, full crew and everything. It's not a... a oh, yeah. It's not a no-budget yeah. shot-on-video movie. It's a professional movie. And that dub was probably made specifically for... Well, obviously it was made specifically yeah. for the English language release. But I'm guessing the the dub of the violent shit movie... And I guess I'm not sure if well there there probably is maybe now on the Synapse ones but yeah I don't know if uh, I don't think the first two Violent Shit movies ever had an English language no they've at le- never at least been, not digital release yeah they've never uh, been anywhere in the states ever the first two so so but the one on because Violent Shit three is on like some Troma multi feature disc isn't it no it was put out by that uh, I think uh, I think the sub label was Shockorama oh yeah yeah okay. That, that uh, alternative cinema, I think, is the parent company. The ones that do like all those, like, um, you know, the uh, Erotic Witch Project and all those, like, okay. those TNA parody movies, like Spider Babe and shit like that. Uh, Playmate of the Apes, um, it's probably one of my favorites. But, but no high class stuff. Exactly. But they had a they had a <laughs> a, a, a mini label under the parent label called Shockorama that released those released that with um zombie 90 his one of his other films on the same Jesus, disc that is a fucking chore to sit through oh it's that's that's bad that to even watch awful without the dub it's still really bad to watch and then there was one called um primatos lord of the dead which is another german film which is fucking awesome a little bit better of a dub but not by much but that's made by uh, the same guy who did Burning Moon, right? Yes, yeah, that's not 
Grishnowski. Okay, I was gonna yeah. say that name. That I say that name sounds familiar. Like I read it in an article recently. Yeah, I totally. I'm drawing I a blank on the guy's name, but I can't remember either. But yeah, I mean, I just I got really you know that was also when those guys were making those movies. That was around the time of of uh, uh, Yorg making Necroman- the Necromantic movies and stuff. So I really dug. I really got into the like the hardcore, you know, no budget German. Yeah. Ah, oh, Olaf, Olaf Ittenbach. That's yeah, it. yeah, yeah, there you go. That's how I know the name, because, yeah, I have Burning Moon, and I've seen some other stuff from him. But, yeah, stuff like that. That's the kind of shit that I love. Is Burning Moon any good? I've never seen Burning Moon, but I, I love Primatus. Yeah, I, I actually really like that. I mean, it's a crappy movie, but it's uh, it's pretty good overall. I mean, for if you enjoy movies like that. It's pretty effective and weird, just, you know, it's such degraded video quality always makes cheap effects look more eerie than cheesy i think i I remember the ending of it was pretty fucked up yeah like he it's a the brother killing his little sister or something i don't know it's been a while yeah because it's an anthology movie of like him telling his sister (laughs) these horrifying bedtime stories yeah like a priest running Uh, around raping people and there's we could could do a uh commentary for that and Maybe double it up with things. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I can't wait to hear Terry's reaction to things. I just uh, watched Things with the kids last weekend. <laughs> I I still have never seen Things. Oh, it's holy shit! Seriously, I know. seriously, dude. And you can get it from Severin on DVD for like five bucks, and well, ten bucks maybe. But yeah, I need it's, to. It's I've always wanted to see it. It is this. It's the most special kind of Canadian shot on video horror crap you could ever possibly imagine. Oh, it's it's a thing of beauty. Have you ever Phoenix seen? Phoenix loved it. Isabella was confused. <laughs> Speaking of shot on video stuff, you you guys ever seen that Tales from the what is it called? Tales from the Video Pod or something like that? What the hell's the name of that movie? Tales from the Quay Dead Zone. Yeah, that's it. That's it. The, like, the most that. expensive VHS of all time? Yep. Yeah, I, say mm-hmm. that. I think that just came out on DVD or is going to soon. I've, I know bet. there's some, some news about that getting a release, but yeah, for the longest time it was like you shelled out 200 bucks for a VHS or you didn't get to see it. Yep, it's one of, yeah. the, one of the biggest collector collector's items in the VHS horror market for sure. If, if you're not following bleedingskull.com or whatever, you sh- should. It's yeah, like basically all... Uh, VHS, you know, shot on video horror movies, like nice. reviews and shit like that. I think they put some stuff out too. Oh, okay. But yeah, ble- it is Bleeding Skull, right, Brian? Yep. Okay, yeah, there. That's how I learned a- about a lot of this stuff. Oh, sweet. Okay, yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. Let's see. You know, my fondness for the for those movies came, you know, again back. It's a nostalgia thing for me. Back in renting some of those some of those turds on VHS back in the day from the video <laughs> store. You know, like Redneck Zombies or, you know, Video Violence or um, Cannibal Camp Out, which is still one of my all-time favorites. Um, Woodchipper Massacre. There's one I just I just had in my head and I just lost it. What the hell? Oh, shit. Well, we should move on. I'm, I'm going to be thinking about this for a <laughs> Tangent. <laughs> to, to bring this back around, my point being, you can't compare the dub on Blood Glacier to those movies because they were probably made 
by like the filmmaker and one of his buddies doing all of the voices in one run through the movie. Whereas yeah. that was made specifically for the DVD release to possibly gain a wider audience, and it's fucking terrible. So in terms of professional dubs, yes, Blood Glacier has one of the worst dubs I have ever heard. Not the worst, probably, but it's up there, like, top five. It's fucking terrible, because it ruins the movie. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if it's a cheesy movie, a shitty dub can make it more fun. Sure, like, exactly. Yeah, what, like, when I watch Showa-era kaiju movies, like monster movies from the 60s and 70s, I grew up listening to the dubs, and they're they're not bad dubs, but they're yeah. fun. They add that element of nostalgia, like you were talking about. Whereas the ones from the 90s, the dubs are god awful <laughs> and if i watch a godzilla movie from the 90s i always try to watch it with the subtitles if i can so there's the difference i guess you'd be happy to know that um uh sven has been showing godzilla movies for the past month yep. yep all february but that's over now he did werewolf of london last weekend oh bummer uh it was, it was so much fun though i even i even sat through um um what was the last one godzilla's, godzilla's revenge. revenge yeah which is one of my, that movie. Which one of my least favorites of all of them? Now well, I could go do a whole spiel on that, but we're talking about blood movies, so I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we should probably move on. Jason's falling asleep. Um, <laughs> since you didn't see Blood Glacier, did you? Nope. What is one that you did see, though, Jason? <laughs> I got one, a slow look. One slow turnaround look. Hundred Bloody Acres. <laughs> yes. Anybody else get the chance to watch that? I watched this one years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Same mm-hmm. here. So if I don't remember a lot about it, but I'll probably get catch up as, one, as you're talking about it. It's about like the fertilizer, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. The two brothers that are trying to start up that fertilizing company. And they find that human remains, human meat or whatever, um, makes for good fertilizer. Yep. It's an Australian <clears throat> film. Um, and, like, when I first heard of it, the review I heard was kind of comparing it to Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Which sold me right away, because I love that movie so much. Um... And yeah, it's it's a it's definitely a comedy, but it definitely takes a different turn than Tucker and Dale by far, and isn't as lighthearted as Tucker and Dale. It's I wouldn't say it's really dark or anything, but uh, um, yeah. But I mean, obviously, because like Tucker and Dale, those guys are really good guys. They just kind of get sucked into a weird situation where they are perceived as the bad guys, and this. They're re- the t- the two brothers. They really kind of are bad guys, <laughs> in a yeah. way. I mean, the one kind of has a turnaround and becomes a hero. He was caused, you know, kind of always pushed around by the older brother. But uh, but basically, you know, a guy, you know, um, it's about this guy. He's driving down the road in his in his van for his fertilizing company. Comes across a dead body, throws it in the back of the truck so he can take it back and use it for the fertilizer. Uh, and then there's these kids that are broken down along the side of the road. The guy stops and picks them up. He throws the two guys in the back of the truck, and they find the dead body. So he's kind of stuck to deal with these three people now. 
And he, so he takes him back to the farm, and the brother, like, um, ties him up. And the brother, who is all about, you know, just doing what they, what they can for the company, and basically turning these kids into mulch for the fertilizing company. But the younger brother has a change of heart, and he kind of has a little thing for the, for the female um, of the 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 woman of the three of the three kids and um, yeah, so comedy ensues. I don't do descriptions. Anybody want to add anything? <laughs> um, it's got Angus Samson. I think from, that's his last name. Yeah, from Wolf Creek, right? Uh, well, he's um, Tucker. Well, I mean, or is it Tucker and Specs? Insidious movies. <clears throat> Oh, that guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Bearded, yeah, burly guy. guy. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, it's Tucker. Tucker and Specs. I like him in most of the things he does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what what'd you think? It's been the- a while since it's been a while since I've seen the movie. So I'm having a hard time recollecting a lot of it. I liked it when I watched it. Um, I feel like I watched it <clears throat> off the shelf from the video store. Um, yeah, it was it was funny. <laughs> I remember that the, it was about fertilizer, and that's about all I remember. So maybe it didn't hold up that well. <clears throat> I liked it because it was all over the fucking place. As far as like, who who was the good guy? Who was the bad guy? Yeah, like it kept changing like the whole time. These kids, then not the kids, and that guy, and then not the guy, and then it's like, I, it was just neat how the movie it kept kinda, uh, changing it on you. It kind of plays with your emotions there, as far as caring about these characters, because there's moments in the movie where you hate almost every single character and other moments in the movie where you you're really pulling for about every single character in the movie like yeah. the one guy like out of the three friends the one guy is a total asshole in the first half of the movie and he's the guy he gets away he steals the truck and then the brother the the brother goes and hunts him down at that like closed up amusement park or whatever it was and um and he gets his hand chopped off and then from that moment on, you're kind of feeling for him. You're like, yeah, I just want this guy to get his hand back. Because he was funny as hell in the trunk of the car. Yeah, when he was in the trunk, that shit was funny. Uh, and the whole time he's like, where's my hand at? Where's my hand? And then they see the little dog running across the yard carrying the hand. And go, oh, there it is. And he's just all happy to see it. <laughs> yeah, I hated him at first. Yeah. Well, And then even the brother, who was clearly... The bad guy of the movie. You know, the definite antagonist. There's that moment when he gets the, and he finally captures that kid, throws him in the trunk, and he's, and, you know, he's getting, he's heading back to the farm and he gets pulled over by that cop. And it's just, it's just such a suspenseful moment of like, oh, I hear, there's, what's that noise in your trunk? And he has a good, a good excuse for it, and the cop. Right he stop. almost gets away and just about to drive away when the guy starts talking from the trunk and the cops like, "Wait a minute, what's going on?" And you're just like, ah! He almost gets away like 
three times from that situation. And you're just kind of like, oh, just get away, just drive away. Even though he's the main bad guy. Yeah. But the younger brother, I thought he was awesome. He did he a really good job. Awesome. He was really funny. He had some great moments, but... My favorite moment of the entire movie, and it's the one I told you about before you watched it, where I never really thought the movie was overly out loud funny, you know? Yeah. It was, you know, some chuckles here and there, but the part that made me laugh out loud, the three kids are the three kids are all tied up and the brothers leave for to deal with some other situations. I think at that point I think that point the one guy had broken free stolen the truck and took off to go get help so the brother goes and gets in his car to go chase him down and then the other brother is left there to watch the other two the girl that's all tied up and then her boyfriend who is now hanging upside down over top of a meat grinder waiting to be chopped up into mulch and the brother is having a conversation with the woman because he, he's kind of crushing on her. That is apparent from the moment they meet that he's kind of crushing on this girl. And so at first she starts to kind of try to use that to her advantage. You know, like flirting with him and whatnot and, and so on. And during the course of this conversation it comes out that she had cheated on her boyfriend with the other guy, the guy that escaped. And, and, um, the brother gets, the, the brother kind of gets upset because he realizes that the girl is just trying to use him to get away. So he storms off and now in the barn, it's just the girl who's still tied up and her boyfriend who is hanging upside down over top of this, uh, over this meat grinder, uh, waiting for his doom. And it's hilarious because... The boyfriend has got duct tape over his mouth and he's hanging there and he they start arguing about the fact that she cheated on him with the other guy. Let's not worry about the the situation that one's tied up and the other's about ready to be chopped up in the mulch. Yeah, he's all concerned about the fact that she cheated on him. So and it's just those moments where he's just like he he can't really you can't really understand what he's saying and, and he's just like and she's like, don't take that tone with me. Funny. <laughs> you had to be there. No, it was, so. it was funny. Fine. John, have you seen this movie? No. I have not. What is it on? Was it on Netflix or Shudder? Shudder. Shudder. Yeah. Part that made me laugh out loud is near the end where the bad guy is there with the old lady and the old lady starts hinting at the old lady is going to put the moves on this guy. Yeah. And then the way they reveal what happens there is just quite... It's, yeah, it was funny. Leading up to that, I had the impression that the old lady was wanting to make the moves on the younger brother, though. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah, it's it's a fun movie. It's definitely 
earns earns its title of uh, having the word blood in the title because it's got some good gore in it. Oh yeah, when they show the dude, the first dude going in the meat grinder, they show it. It's like holy yeah. fuck, they show it. And then they, he goes and tries to save the guy by gr- grabbing onto his legs and pulls, and that's all that comes out is just the legs. That's all that's left. My, that gag will always be funny. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's not a it's not a laugh out loud movie, but it's it is really funny. It is really funny, and I think like it, if it's not gut busting out loud, I think maybe just because maybe there's just a little lost in translation. That was going to be my only critique and bad thing is just that they don't they don't they didn't write it for american audience because they like leave a million australian lingo yeah in there they, they don't change it at all so it's like i'm lost through a lot yeah, of the shit they say and get lost but and how dare they make an australian movie for australian people they should always cater to us i'm saying Those fucking bastards god damn it just, just another reason why i hate australia Clearly, this movie needed an English dub, too, huh? Almost. <laughs> Sometimes that is the case. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, so I wonder if it does play even funnier over in Australia. And there's, you know, definitely references and stuff. That, Do Australians uh, have a sense of humor, though? You've seen, you've seen young, young Einstein, right? Oh, true, that is pretty hilarious. But that's all they got. Crocodile Dundee? Eh, I enjoy those movies, but they're not laugh out loud funny. <laughs> Razorback? Oh, wait, no, that's not funny at all. <laughs> that's not funny, but that's a good movie. <laughs> oh, Mad awesome Max? Movie. Come on. <laughs> you know, there is, in some of those Australian stunt movies, like Mad Max and Dead End Drive-In, and stuff, like Dead End Drive-In is a really good satire. Um, I still you know, need to get that. They have a very, I mean, again, like you say, they're not comedies, they're not laugh-out-loud funny, but there, there is definitely a very dark, uh, independent-minded, you know, just fuck-off-everybody kind of <laughs> streak of black humor through them. What's the name of that documentary about the Australian exploitation films? Not, not quite Hollywood. Yeah, that's right. I still haven't seen that one, but... Uh... I saw the follow-up one, and I love the one about the um, uh, Machete Maidens, the one about... Yes. Oh, yeah, you know, that's a good one. I love that doc, so I've been wanting to see Not Quite Hollywood for a while now. Have you seen the one about Canon films? Oh, oh yeah! Like yeah. <laughs> that just made me want to buy every movie from them ever. Exactly. Yeah, when, when I watch those documentaries, I'm just, usually I watch them with my laptop in my lap with a Netflix window open. Just add it, add it, add it. Or, or on Amazon, buy it, buy say, it. I'm the same way, but with Amazon. Just like, I need that, I need that. Yeah, totally. And I like, too, now how Canon has become, like, the excuse for the type of movie it is. I've, I've, heard, it, <laughs> I've heard it on podcasts and in discussions with it's other people canon. of, like, oh, it's a Canon film. Well, that explains that. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes it's, it better. That's, that's the, the sign son, off for making it okay. The son of one of those guys, I can't remember if it's Menem Golan or Yoram Globus, but one of their sons is like in the final stages of bringing Canon Studios back 
I kind heard, of the way Ham- Hammer got brought back, I guess. But yeah, thank I heard God, they're coming back. Yeah, they're, they're such a product of their time. I can't imagine. Yeah, it working. Like, I see. I see them just being like the asylum now, or full moon. Not, yeah, and it's just not mm. being fun. Like, because like people look at those movies and they see cheese and all the you know the dumb explosions, just big loud action movies. You forget they were working with real budgets. They were not yeah. some little fly by night, uh, you know direct-to-video outfit <laughs> they were exactly. full-on like they were a force to be reckoned with they got superman the 4 office. yeah <laughs> they had a lot of properties man they i could, don't know if i would use that i wouldn't say superman 4 is a good example but the fact that they can get their hands on the that property yeah right granted yeah. that property had already started to, to diminish at that point that's why they were able to snatch it up but still well, i mean they had masters of the universe you know and that's all you need. And they got that property in the at the peak of the popularity of that toy line. All you so, need is Dolph Lundgren. That's right. You know they had they had Chuck Norris on their payroll for quite a while. Yeah, you know, that that was the house that Chuck built for sure. Yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, and that's the thing I wonder if a lot of people don't realize is like a lot of that shit. Most of the well, let me take that back. All their stuff were theatrical releases. Mm-hmm. So. They made Rockula. That's all that matters. They made Rockula? Yeah. Nice. Fuck yeah, they did. Of course you like that. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually on TV, like, a few months ago, and I I think we happened upon it, like, halfway through. I'm like, well, fuck this. I gotta see it from the beginning. That's right. It's not one of those good. Weird, weird channels. Well, no, it's not, but it's Dean Cameron. I know. Dean. Dean. The <laughs> nicest guy. Yeah. He touched your butt. Yeah. <laughs> he still gushes every time he turns his phone on, and there's this picture of him. Oh, and look at that. <laughs> I, I still there. think about him seeing Dean Cameron seeing my wife. And she's like all giddy, you know, nervous, and he's just like motioning over, like, "Come on, I'll give you a hug. Come over here." <laughs> yeah. Such a swell guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all got to meet him. That's great. Okay. <laughs> he didn't make awesome. any movies with blood in the title, did he? No. So let's get back to it. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. What's next? Uh, hey, Brian, do you want to go next? Yeah. Yes, I do. I know who didn't. I know who did make a movie with blood in the title. Oh God, who? A, a French guy with an Italian first name and a Greek last name. A guy named Fabrice A. Zaffaritos. Zaffaratos, excuse me. He made in 1983 a little movie called Bloodbeat. Bloodbeat. Oh no! I was hoping we did uh, skip this. I did not get to watch this. You did. Oh, what? Let's you make recording. me sad, sir. Well, I was going to, but, you know, interviews and sleeping kind of take up my time, so <laughs> This was worth the lack of sleep, sir. <laughs> I just asked Jason. I'm so proud that Jason watched it. I'm so proud of <laughs> I was in the other room last night when he was watching it, trying to catch up on my own Blood movies, and I heard that music, and I'm like, yeah, you're watching Blood Beat, yeah! <laughs> my damn Okay, so... So, you're stuck explaining the, the, this, man, because, you know, yeah, you're on I'm, your own. <laughs> yep. Did you watch this one, Terry? Yep. Yeah! 
<laughs> Man, I feel... St- uh. Damn it, I wish I would have watched it now. <laughs> That's so awesome. The first... I don't know, half of it, it doesn't really go completely off the rails till the second half, like the last 40 minutes or so. But it starts out, there. it, it takes place in Wisconsin, and it's Christmas time. There's a lot of deer hunting, and uh, all the kids of these two, this couple who, um, like some of the kids belong to one, some of the kids belong to the other. It's like a mixed family kind of deal. And <clears throat> so all the kids are coming home for Christmas, and one of them, and the the dialogue is so muddy, and the sound quality is so bad, so bad. I could barely tell what anyone's so names even were supposed to be in this fucking movie. But anyway, one of the sons brings his girlfriend home for Christmas, and she's kind of annoying. <laughs> and so they take her out deer hunting one day, and everyone's... And for, for making a movie in Wisconsin, you'd think the people who made it would know about deer hunting. I don't even go hunting, but I know that the way you deer hunt is not, not to walk through likely. the woods in a cluster of people, <laughs> some of them carrying shotguns, some of them carrying bows. Now, they don't spread out. They don't make a lo- like a bush-beating line to drive the deer out towards a couple of people with the guns like you're supposed to do. They just <laughs> all walk together through the woods making very violent gestures at each other of, shh, get down, get back, there's a deer, you know. And so they all find a deer, and everyone draws a bead on it at the same time. Like, ev- like the entire group of people... behind the same log. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the entire group of people with every gun and bow and arrow they have are all going to unload on this same deer. They have so they're going to the fucking ruin the meat, first of all. Because <laughs> there's no way with that many guns going off, they're not going to rip that thing's guts to pieces. And all the shit is going to come out inside it and ruin the meat. Uh, okay, anyway, so right before everyone can fire, <laughs> so this turned into a diatribe about hunting from someone who doesn't <laughs> hunt. <laughs> I know enough people who do to know how it works. Anyway, so right before everyone can fire, this annoying girlfriend screams, like, no, I don't want to see the deer die. And the deer, of course, runs off, and everyone's very angry at her, and she runs off through the woods back to the house. And so there's all this friction among the family, and the uh, the matriarch of the family, who... Uh, Kelly or Kathy, something like that. <laughs> you skip over that, like you skip over it like that was what really happened. She screams at the top of her lungs, "No!" for like five minutes, and then she, for five more minutes, she runs through the forest while some dude chases her really fucking weirdly. All these things keep happening like no person's ever done before with human bodies. <laughs> That's true. It's, it's her boyfriend and it takes runs for fucking ever chasing her. Uh, uh, Oh. And, and you assume he's, because she's his girlfriend, he's going to comfort her, but it looks an awful oh. lightly. Like he's going to run her down and beat yeah. her for screwing up their shot. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I just couldn't let you No, it's fine, you're that. right. I, 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 I mean, <laughs> we'd be here all night if I described every Looney well, Tunes true. thing. That's true. <laughs> so, anyway, the the mom and, and the... the um, I can't remember his name either. Again, it's fucking impossible to tell these characters' names apart. But the the you know beardy guy, the dad of the family, right. are are having a lot of friction amongst themselves because the mom is an artist and she spends all her time painting and she doesn't pay any attention to him. And so there's. <laughs> He's so upset about that. I don't even know how to string the 
contents of this movie together into a description. That's I'm listening to your description so I can understand what the fuck I watched. <laughs> You're helping, but I don't know. But is he the, the people in the surrounding countryside start getting killed off. All these deer hunters start getting killed off by what we come to find is the ghost of a samurai who is activated whenever the annoying girlfriend who screwed up the deer hunt has an orgasm. Wait, one more time. Just one more time. Say that again. The, the people in the surrounding countryside and all of the deer hunters who are out in the woods start getting killed off by what turns out to be a ghost samurai whenever the annoying girlfriend has an orgasm. Okay, that's oh, what I it, thought you said. And, and okay, I thought it was the opposite way, though. What? That, like, he would kill someone and that would cause her to have an orgasm. Oh. Well, one of, one of those two things is what happens. <laughs> there is definitely it's It doesn't involved. really matter that much, but... <laughs> Man, I need to see this movie. <laughs> sold. <laughs> yeah, sold. There's... What? Uh, one, of, one of the people who gets killed by the ghost samurai... Looks like what would happen if Zap Rousdower and Onslow from Keeping Up Appearances climbed into a Brundle pod and got fused together. <laughs> uh, what else? The soundtrack is a completely nonsensical uh. mixture of chamber music, uh, including in the climactic scene, Carmen Burana, Carmine, Bir- well, however you say that. Carmina Burana. Carmina Burana. There you go. Thank yeah, you. That was. That was odd. That was an odd. A choice, mixture of yeah. chamber music, Gregorian monk chanting, <laughs> and then what you would expect from a movie like this, which is minimalist synth noodling, like every slasher movie. Well, oh. I mean, those that those other pieces were probably all like public domain. It's yes. probably why they got used. But they didn't get used in any way that had any no. correlation to what was going on <laughs> in the like. There would be this dramatic. But what is really going on in the movie? Does it does it matter? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's all a clusterfuck anyway. So let's see, I'm sure I'm going to end up leaving out some stuff because Jesus Christ, this movie. But at about the halfway point is where, like I said, it really goes off the rails in a scene where suddenly there's also a poltergeist and all of the stuff in the kitchen starts attacking everybody. And clearly Fabrice A. Zafiratos saw Evil Dead 2. <sighs> Or, no, Evil Dead 2 came out after this one, didn't it? That came out in, like, 86. So Sam Raimi so, saw Bloodbeat. Well, it, that, <laughs> uh-huh. some similar things happened in the first Evil Dead, but where, like, there's stuff flying at people from across the room, and it's, you know, they, they put the, you know, kitchen knives and cans of soup on sticks in front of the camera and then ran at people with the camera kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and why did that right, happen so, again? What? Uh, why fuck that? if I know. Okay. <laughs> what did what did start that? But also during that time, the that's when the the samurai ghost shows up as well. Yeah, when we finally see what is actually causing, because you know, people have been dying up to this point, but it's you know, uh, there's a lot of pe- lot of lot of like uh, um, Jalo esque POV shots of the killer. And heavy breathing and stuff, and you might see the shimmer of a sword or the shadow of the of the killer, but you don't really get to see the killer until this moment when, when shit's going crazy at the house. And oh, that's the, I think the thing that sparks it off is this is at the, around the time the girlfriend has the vision of opening the trunk in the guest room. 
and finding the samurai armor in it. Uh, and then there's a flashback to a little girl playing with the samurai armor that we never get explained. Or if we do, we can't fucking hear what they're saying. Well, I forgot about the flashback. You're right. There, that. What the fuck was that for? <laughs> because, okay, so... It, <laughs> I, I think we've just about covered enough of the non-explanation of the non-plot of this non-movie to the point where we can just jump to the end. The mom, the painter lady, turns out to also have magic powers because her eyes and her hands glow red or orange. And she has like a a pew-pew-pew effect battle with the samurai at the end. And there's a bunch of flashes of World War II and uh, like, you know, stock foot like actual newsreel footage of bombs being dropped and tanks and things and there's some more of that flashback of the girl playing with the samurai armor were the mom and the samurai supposed to be sisters because we get a quick glimpse of the samurai sans helmet but with like fucking kabuki makeup or something on but it looked female and that could be just because it's manifesting through the mental energy of a woman but with all the flashbacks and the stuff about World War II, is that meant to... But if the mom and the samurai are sisters... Like, cause it, <laughs> You're trying too hard. <laughs> this, well, this end part is like by far the worst for not being able to hear what the hell is going on. Oh, uh, because tell me about samurai, it. Because that... t- samurai talks in like kind of a robot voice, mm-hmm. and the mom's dialogue is dialed so low in the mix and there's so many loud sound effects from, out totally, f- yeah. f- from both the war footage and then the Carmine Burana blasting and um, the mom's given that, some exposition at that moment but you're not hearing a fucking thing she's saying yeah exactly so I, I kind of wonder if the World War 2 footage suggests that the samurai is some kind of vengeful spirit of Japanese war dead but the mom's too young to have had fuck all to do with World War 2 yeah, but the thing if is, she was like, alive at all, she would have been like two years old. To throw throw this in there real quick too, before you get into too much more of it, it's established early on that the mom has has this some kind of psychic ability, and and that the girlfriend has some kind of psychic ability as well. Right, that, because she keeps saying that she felt the mom in the room with them when they were trying to get busy. Yeah, and they just keep throwing. <laughs> quote-unquote bad vibes at each other throughout this whole movie. Yeah, so the mom and the girlfriend don't like each other, and maybe the samurai is how the girlfriend manifests. Or, but then what the fuck is all the World War II stuff? Because the girlfriend could not have been alive in World War II. She would have been born, I don't know, mid-60s, late-60s at the very earliest. Well, the, the girlfriend was the ghost in the armor. That's what I took it as. The but gr- neither one of them are Japanese, so where the fuck did the samurai armor come oh, from? And what does that have to do with anything? I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that no, I think... No, it's, it's right, Mike. <laughs> everything about this movie is 100% right. It's amazing. I'm just saying, what I interpreted it as is that the the girlfriend is a ghost this whole time, and it's the ghost of the samurai. So does that make her boyfriend Mr. Chicken? That that makes the boyfriend a necrophile because they have they they get it on at one point in the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's like that's the first time we see it. Her sexual activity being connected to the ghost because before every time they try to fuck the mom's psychic powers cock block them. Mm-hmm. 
So and then later, like when it's killing the Zap Rousdauer Onslow Brundle mutation, um, she's just like writhing, like arching her back in bed. So I don't fucking know. <laughs> but then, anyway. oh, go ahead. You're no, doing a great I, job. Please continue. No, I'm, I'm done. To, I was just going to go on with a little bit about uh, about the director. Oh well, to finish to finish off the film, the mother is killed by the samurai ghost so now it's up to the son slash boyfriend of the girl and his sister to now out of nowhere they have these magic they have these magic psychic powers too and i did that was explained away simply by one of them saying well we are our mother's children so you know i am your daughter so i have this power too because there's a moment where the sister and the mom have a little stare down because the mom's trying to get the sister to do something and she doesn't want to and the mom's like don't question me i can do this and then they have and the sister's like oh yeah well i'm your daughter don't forget and they have like a little scanners stare down but i got the impression throughout this whole movie that neither the son or the daughter the brother and sister, that I got the impression they didn't believe any of the shit was. They, they didn't believe in any of the shit that the mom had well, powers and all this wacky stuff going on. Watching a glowing ghost laser samurai uh, telekinetically fling kitchen knives at your dad can kind of change your view of the world. I would imagine. <laughs> sure, <laughs> you but then, you'd be ready to accept some shit after you saw that. But my point is that once the mom is dead, the brother and sister team up. They make a bunch of fart faces, and <laughs> and now all of a sudden they have this super magic power too that they can completely control and destroy the samurai. It's as if they went from like just average person to Professor X at that moment. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I got nothing. Amazon says in a couple places it's a Christmas horror movie. Yeah, because it takes place at Christmas. That's oh, why does, everyone's together. They all came home. The kids came home for yeah. Christmas. Yeah, that's right. Oh, we well, call it a Christmas. Christmas. No, although it's surely a present. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks like this and a French movie called La Grande Frime uh, from 1977, which he wrote and starred in are his only two film credits. There is fuck all for information about either the director or this movie on the internet that isn't in French. So either Bloodbeat killed his career, or shortly after its release, he beamed back aboard the mothership and returned to his home in the Horsehead Nebula. And my money (laughs) is on door number two. (laughs) Well, I wish you'd come back. Yeah, me too. What's okay, so what I want to hear what Jason and Terry have to say about this movie now. Yes. Well, I just know when I... Yes, all those things you guys said. <laughs> those First of words. all, plus... Well, I just... I'm watching, I'm like, this is clearly a person's first attempt at making a movie. But it was his second. And obviously it was kind of, kind of, kind of in the... Uh, uh, Birdemic, you know, it's kind of a foreign person just trying to do what he thinks American movies are supposed to do, yeah. not really understanding what that is. I just got that impression that it was he was very not. Bec- this fucking sucks. I mean, it's like it's, 
everything about it is not good. Like, all these scenes are so terrible and cut bad and filmed bad, and it's so bad. You're right, though. <laughs> I mean, I think it does It does fall into that category that of, like, a n- not an American filmmaker who's not an experienced filmmaker trying to make an American film in America, like a Birdemic or a Troll 2. Um, because, like those movies, there are American actors in this movie saying things that Americans should would not normally say. Humans would not normally say. <laughs> or doing things that humans not normally would do. Am I right? Yeah. I just, I mean, it felt like there were, there were just things, a lot of things happened because they thought that's what was supposed to happen and they weren't like what people actually do. So as a visitor to this planet, he thought he tried. (laughs) And I don't think so. Where did he get the impression that a ghost of a samurai in... Everything was wrong and bad. I mean, I I don't hunt either. I don't know the first thing about a gun, but Jesus Christ, that was painfully obvious that none of them knew what the fuck they were doing. (laughs) And any of it, and all the stock footage, and all the stock music, and all the... It's just a turd. And so, second... Secondly, you know how... You know, your body has certain defense mechanisms. You know, whatever they may be. Mine... Was to, so what you're what you're what you're saying is that if this was a legitimate ghost samurai, the body would have ways of shutting it down. <laughs> I was going to speak for myself and say my body put me to sleep halfway through this movie to protect myself <gasps> from having because because I couldn't take any more of it. It shut me down. I couldn't because you just I couldn't you can't stop handle it. that much joy at once or what? That's <laughs> probably it. During the just, second half of the movie, that's yeah. the best part. The, yeah. of, this might be my of, favorite movie I haven't yeah. seen. It's, I want <laughs> you probably poster of it. She passed out right before it went completely nuts. Then. I remember her getting into this chest of samurai stuff that no one else could see. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like. I, I mean, I fought to stay awake, but you know those times when you're tired and your body's just like, fuck no, you're going to sleep. <laughs> I don't care how hard you try. And like, I couldn't do it. I, I fought for a while. I just couldn't stay awake. Oh, if you only would have made it to this that point where it's like, well, I can't sleep now. Because <laughs> this is off the rocker. But Oh, no, right, it, right. it plenty was. It, I, yeah. I mean, I saw enough. <laughs> I, I kept waking back up and I'd be like, Nope, still won't. <laughs> nope, <laughs> still no chance. So, something else I love is that about the the Onslow Rousedower guy is like he's homesick, cuddling with his dog on the bed, reading the newspaper oh, yeah, in his bathrobe, guy. but still wearing his fucking trucker cap, <laughs> and he's complaining to his wife about how sick he is, and he's she brings him like this nice tray of like you know lunch in bed or a snack or something, and all he would be like. Where's my orange juice? And he just says it over and over and fucking over again. And she's like, fine, I guess I'll just go get your orange juice to you, ungrateful cow. And she goes out into the kitchen 
And I love that their idea of orange juice is she doesn't pour him a glass of orange juice. She runs a glass of water from the tap, and it's like making him some tang or some shit. <laughs> this is like the r- rural Wisconsin idea of like orange juice means orange drink powder. <laughs> well, well, that's the thing because first she offers to get him like tea or something, wasn't it? Like. How about, would you like some tea? I can make some tea. Would you like some tea? And he's like, yeah, yeah, that'll, that'll do. And then he just start, starts shouting, hey, where's my orange juice? <laughs> Give me my orange juice. I'm like, what the, what? It's like 8.09, it's the orange juice time? What's going on? <laughs> you know, and my, my favorite part of that of that scene is like he's arguing with his wife uh, before that about somebody somebody getting killed out in the woods um did i can't remember did somebody get sh- shot accidentally while deer hunting or was that just reference to one of the one of the murders i can't remember <laughs> yeah some no guy died i'm pretty sure at one point <clears throat> and when after she was running because she doesn't want him to go yeah. out hunting again in the morning or something like that and and he's just like or, and, and she's like well you know that such and such guy was killed and and his argument was, well, sometimes that just happens. That's the line. I remember it distinctly. Because how is that an argument in favor of going out hunting what? the next day? Sometimes this stuff stuff just happens? Oh, well, good. yeah, that's why I don't want you to go out. Because <laughs> sometimes this stuff happens. I can't believe you guys are trying this hard to figure this movie out. You're going to hurt your brains trying. Yeah, like, I... I'm pretty sure I made it to the credits, I think. <laughs> you but don't remember? <laughs> at that point, I, like, passed out just from, like, the sheer amount of using my brain trying to figure out what the fuck was happening. I'm pretty sure. Well, nothing fun couldn't. happens in the credits, so that's... <laughs> yeah. Un- unless you meant the opening credits, in which case. <laughs> no. I think I made it to at least close to the end. It's just a workout for my brain, and I just gave up. I was glued, man. I don't know. I was glued. <laughs> Me too. I couldn't look away. Oh, so glad I found this one. It was like I'd never even heard of this movie until oh. I saw our list yeah. for this episode, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna look up and see what some of these are." I'm guessing most of them are slasher movies, and the first words I saw when I looked up Bloodbeat were. Samurai and Deer Hunters. I'm like, fuck, I'm watching this movie now. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, my God. I think that's why I ended up on the list, because I think I saw that exact same description. (laughs) It's on YouTube, folks. You can all watch it and try to figure it out. Oh, my God. (laughs) No. No. Bananas. So Terry, did you see the the showdown between the samurai and the mom? Do you remember that part? Uh, vaguely, I remember her standing in the living room and her hands were glowing. An orgasm to beat. The well, there, there's a different artist? scene. There's a different scene where she's standing in the living room by herself, yelling, "You won't get my family. Get away Uh-oh. from here!" And that's well, why I assumed that she had previous knowledge of the samurai because she's yelling at it like she knows what it is already. I'm I'm past trying to figure out what is actually happening. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't really. I remember that scene with her saying in the late. I may have been 
going in and out of my sleep, and I might have missed some at the end then, because I don't really recall. It's fine. It doesn't Bonkers. really matter in the scheme of things. It's fine. <laughs> <clears throat> I saw enough. Brian, I think it is our duty to make sure that more and more of the horror community are made aware of Bloodbeat. I believe you are correct. That's right. Oh, you need to get those guys over at Badass and Boobs and Body Counts to review this one. <laughs> I, I don't know how I could review a movie that does, that you can't hear 90% of the dialogue, but... be a. Uh... That was the part I thought would bug Jason the most. That was the part I was worried about, because I know how you are oh, about yeah. sound, and the dialogue is so intelligible through half of it. It sucked. Woo! Well, I'm waiting for the Criterion Collection. <laughs> I would I would buy it. You I don't know about that, but considering some of the other, you know, ninth-tier slasher movies that Arrow has done, like... Uh, Blood Rage and the Mutilator. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Don't say that Blood Rage is ninth tier. That fucker is top notch. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I don't love it. I'm just saying it ain't any good. Just like this one. It ain't any goddamn good, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Totes. Me too. Oh, I feel like we're all better people for experiencing that movie. <laughs> Blood Beat. Was it 83, right? Yep. Mm. Yeah. Man, sweet. What's a blood beat? That's a, that's a good question. I thought it was going to be like a, a rock and roll horror movie or something. I want I oh, to nice. dance off like to the death. <laughs> and it's you not know. B-E-E-T. Okay. <laughs> I want to break into Electric Boogaloo, but with blood. Yes. And I've only... I haven't even watched the movie, but that just seems like it would make sense with the name Bloodbeat. So now, how is there not a breakdancing horror movie where, like, they put knives on their heels and spin around? And, like... <laughs> How's that not a scene in a movie? I know. Yeah. It's in we your and Mike's that movie. Totally. So, John, moving on from um, Bloodbeat. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> What uh, what blood movie do you want to talk about? Well, we're probably not going to go into it as you know as much as we did with Bloodbeat, but uh, Blood Rage, which I've already discussed my love for this movie on the show uh, numerous times in it about two minutes ago. But yeah, I I love Blood Rage. It's it's one of my new well how do I want to say it? more recent uh, slashers to be released on Blu-ray that I love. If that makes sense. So that's the Which one with Chuck Norris? No. <laughs> oh, that's Silent Rage. Silent Rage. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love, Silent Rage. I love me some Silent Rage. The Blood Rage. What's that about? Blood yeah, what is Blood... Oh, I have not seen Blood Rage. What's, what is it about? Blood Rage starts off with these uh, twins. At, like, it's been a couple months since I've watched it, but uh, I want to say they're at like a, a drive-in. And then the uh, one twin kills a couple and then basically blames his brother. Gets his brother locked up, and uh, it kind of goes from there. And then years down the line, the the one brother gets out, and it's basically a which one is the actual killer? But oh, it's it's cheesy, it's fun. The effects really aren't that great. But 
God damn it. I love it. And it takes place around Thanksgiving, so I can add it to, you know, my list Ooh. of holiday slashers. Yeah. Because I need one for every holiday imaginable. And there's just not enough of them for Thanksgiving. Other than Thanksgiving, you know, with a killer bird. I thought there was I know another... It's not, well, it's not technically Thanksgiving, but Blood Freak fits the bill. Yeah, right, Blood... we're not on a tangent about that one. <laughs> Blood Freak, yeah. I would definitely put with my Thanksgiving viewings, but I thought there was another slasher from the early 80s that took place around Thanksgiving. Yeah, um, I probably wouldn't, but... I'm trying to think what it would be. Eli Roth's fake trailer on oh, the grindhouse. <laughs> right. Fuck, that needs to be real. To, uh, we t- you, yeah. you, just, you just realized that you just wished that there was another Eli Roth movie, right? I know, but god damn it. <laughs> That's true. I want to hang out with the guy, maybe buy him a beer, but I don't know. Maybe he shouldn't make any more movies, but I love the concept of his, you know, Thanksgiving movie. But anyway, back to Blood Rage. But who else who else has seen it? Oh yeah. The <laughs> the, the classic bit where the dude gets his hand chopped off while he's holding the beer. Oh. It's just so... Oh, it's just, the, the effects are horrible. But I, I love the whole idea of the twins. Uh, basically one being really shy, you know, and the other one being a complete fucking nutbag. We need more movies like that. If that makes sense. More nutbags. More nutbags. I want, I want kids killing people. Really is what it comes down to. Of course, then they grow up, but yeah. Well, not they killed each other. Yeah. Cool. I'll definitely have to check it out. I love me some eighty slashers. Can't believe you haven't seen that yet. I know. I another one that's completely went under my radar. Well, that and the Blu-ray's fucking thirty dollars, so that. Jesus. Yeah, but it. It's, it's an it's an Arrow title. So it's worth it though. It looks there. There's no reason why uh, a slasher from the '80s should look so good on Blu-ray, but they they pulled it off. Cool beans. Uh, I'll bring up a title. Um, well, hell. Will you or won't you? I will. I just there's one I want to bring up, but I feel like I should bring up this other one because I know. A few of us watched it for this episode, so I'll bring it up. Summer of Blood. Oh, I love that movie. Oh, yeah. I forgot I watched that. <laughs> I, I watched that when it There's came out. There's <laughs> I loved it. I love that guy's work. Who is that what guy? What else has he done? Yeah. I can't even pronounce his name, but his new movie is uh, called Cat Fight. With um, Sandra O oh and... Anne Heche, I think. Hmm, really? I don't, I don't know much about it, but I've been seeing uh, a few things on the internet about it. But uh, I I really loved Summer Blood. It's kind of a, as Brian might call it, a mumblecore horror movie. That's totally well, what, I, I, would, what a, I thought a of slack, it, too. A slacker vampire flick. I, I had like, to ask you what exactly that meant. It was like, is that what this is? Because it seems like that's what this well, is. It, but... definitely, it definitely is a mumblecore uh, vampire flick. Mumblecore? Yeah. yeah, that's it's a word that I'd heard but wasn't entirely sure what the definition um, was, and then he explained the, it to me. Like, I'm not even going to try to describe it because I'm going to do a bad job at it, but uh, Joe Swanson, 
Um, I'm sure you guys have seen him in movies. If anybody has seen Proxy by my friend Zach Parker, he's in that. Yeah. But he, he's one of the, I don't know, I wouldn't say pioneers, but one of the perpetuators of uh, the Mumblecore movement. Low-budget movies, mostly just dialogue kind of thing. Yeah, Mumblecore kind of refers to like the dialogue and the method the, the dialogue's delivered. Um, usually kind of improv but just kind of rambling on kind of conversations. I like, yeah, naturalistic, like more conversational dialogue rather yeah. than real tightly scripted. Is bit like, because I don't know the the name of that subgenre just annoyed me, and so I assumed that it was going to irritate the shit out of me when I when I read the definition. I was like, oh, that's that's not as obnoxious as I thought it was. No, be. the two but, the uh, the Duplass brothers. Um, have yeah. kind of brought the the term into uh, into into popularity. Their movies are kind of in that vein. Yeah, they're they're the other ones that are not originate. Well, not necessarily originators, but definitely the big names. Yeah, yeah. So when I was telling Jason about this movie, I was saying it reminded me of kind of a Duplass movie mixed with um, oh shit, I don't even remember the other one I compared it to. Do you, Jason? I don't think so. But, talk uh, to me. The guy, the guy in it reminded me like the way he talks in the movie and the and the the sound of his voice kind of reminds me a bit of. Um, uh, oh god, dang it! I can't think of anybody tonight. Last man on the star of Last Man on Earth. Oh, um, Vincent Price. Well, no, the, no. The, the TV show. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I'm totally blanking on his name now too. Will. Will Forte. Will Forte. I said that like two minutes ago. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. Well, we weren't paying attention. Apparently not. He kind of reminded me of Will Forte as far as like the way he spoke and the sound of his voice kind of sounded a little Will Forte-ish, so. And he's kind of a dipshit. So I kind of, yeah, and there's that too. So I kind of wanted to see Will Forte in this role to tell you the truth, but the guy was good and it was funny. It's just, oh, I remember what I was comparing it to. Yeah, it's like, it was like a Duplass Brothers movie teamed up with, um, um, now I just forgot again. Jesus, Jesus, dude, you're worse than me. (laughs) Jesus, Days of Confused director. Um, Yeah, slacker. You know, that guy. Art. Mm. Richard Linkletter. Oh, Richard it's Linkletter. A, Why does I think Art Linkletter? It's, anyway, that was it's close. A, it's a Richard Linkletter mixed with Duplass Brothers if they were doing a vampire movie. Yeah, too late. He did all. Yeah, I, that's all You're ruined. ruined. With the, uh, the special effects done by... I want to say the special effects were done by... not. I don't know if it was Fred Vogel from Totag, but maybe his partner Jeremy Cruz. I don't mm-hmm. remember. I was well. Uh, that's why I heard about it. I just about shut it off like ten minutes in. Like I could <laughs> not fucking stand that character. Yeah, I, I got the but impression that, you couldn't take it. Yeah. But the more I watched it, and the, the around the time I realized we weren't supposed to like this guy, then I was like, okay, now I'm on board. And then once he got turned, like it got really funny. <laughs> like I love the scene where his landlord shows up to collect the rent. And he's like exasperatedly trying to shoo him away while simultaneously trying not to catch on fire because he didn't close <laughs> his curtains the night before. Yeah, yeah. 
Like, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, by the end of the movie, I really, really liked it. It's just kind of the same way where, like, why I didn't like Greasy Strangler. I can't stand Napoleon Dynamite, even though it's not the same kind of thing. It's more, well, I guess I could, like, one of the uh, secondary characters from the TV show Girls is in that, like, he's his co-worker who keeps telling him, like, you're going to get fired if you don't stop being a douchebag. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of oh, that kind of, like, yeah. I hate, I've seen some of that show, and I fucking hate every single character on it, because <laughs> they're all just stupid, oblivious, self-absorbed assholes, just like the guy in this movie. <laughs> and <laughs> so I kind of got that same, like, oh, I don't want to spend any more time with this person, but once I realized the movie was not necessarily on his side and kind of like, no, he is an asshole. That's the point. Yeah. <laughs> That's where some of the comedy comes from. Then I was a little more behind it. And then, yeah, by the end, it was it was quite funny. So it, it definitely turned me around. Well done, movie. I, I give <laughs> this one a thumbs up. <laughs> so to sum up the, 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 the plot of the movie, this slacker slash self-indulgent asshole um, gets bit by a vampire. And there's your plot. It's like nothing happens in this movie. It's just it's just scene after scene. That's why I really compared it to Richard Richard Linklater. But I I oh sorry. My favorite scene is the scene where he bumps into the the vampire that bit him, bumps into him again while he's while he's sucking on a dude, and he's like, "Hey, you want some of this?" He's like, "Yeah, I could I could go for a drink," and then he takes a drink. And then they just, and I have a feeling that the whole movie was structured around this one scene. Like they had the idea for this scene and built the movie around it because this scene sums up the entire movie. They just stand there and talk about nothing for 10 minutes as this guy is bleeding out from the neck from behind them. And they have blood dripping from their chins and they got the fangs and the eyes and everything. And they're just talking like, yeah, it's it's been really warm out lately. And yeah, yeah, it has been. I thought that scene was hilarious, but I have a feeling that 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 is that 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 should just be the trailer is just that scene because that explains the whole movie. My favorite bit is that's awesome, and the part that I love that I was gonna say comes right after that when they've spent some more time together, and the vampire who made him comes to regret it <laughs> because he's such an <laughs> annoying douchebag <laughs> that the vampire just like is trying to kind of give him the brush off yeah, yeah. Without, without letting him know it that yeah oh yeah and he's like yeah I don't think I want to do this anymore like what do you mean like I just don't want to this lifestyle I don't want to do it is there a way to reverse it and he tells <laughs> him to like pray to God and then he asks him later even after like <laughs> takes a shower and everything and he asks him later is like, this is really how that works it's like, no, there's no such thing as God. I was just fucking with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Terry, you saw it too, right? Yeah. Um, I know. I thought there were funny moments for sure. Um, and I didn't hate the ending, I guess. But yeah, it was just that guy. God, it was so hard. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind some awkward humor, but it he's was the just, guy you love to hate. Oh my god, 
the just the conversation like that opening conversation at the dinner table and i'm like what am i watching what is who is this you mean like when the the girlfriend proposes to him and he takes like 10 minutes to reject her proposal so awkward. See, that was the part that almost made me shudder. Like I was about yeah, ready to be done with the movie. It was hard to watch. Yeah. And then John, I messaged John about it. Like I can't fucking do this anymore. And he's like, "No way! I love that movie." So I'm like, oh, like God, don't yeah. be a little bitch. Fine, I'll sit through some more of it and see if I like it. And sure enough, it grew on me. So yeah, there were there I were some really good dry moments for sure. Oh, and. Becoming a vampire also in- increases your like sex libido or something because all of a sudden he's like a super great lover, and there's that scene where he's laying in bed with the three women, and he's just nonchalantly talking about what they should do next. It's like, well, you know, you could go ask them out to her, and I could be over top of you, and it'd be like we were all together, and and then they're like, that does sound kind of like rather exploitive now that you mention it. And he's like, what, really? <laughs> Yeah, it sounds a little misogynistic. And he's like, really? You think so? (laughs) And then the alternative option he gives them to make it seem less misogynistic is he offers to let one of them fist him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sounds like last time we hung out, Brian. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. I don't know really what to give the movie. I mean... I thought it was funny, but I get what you guys are saying as far as that guy being rather annoying. I give it a high five and a punch in the dick. How about that? There you go. <laughs> I think it was. Thanks for trying. I think it was just enough. Like if it would have been any more, I couldn't have been able to take it. But I think I just it just barely went under the radar of I want to I want to punch this guy in the face. So anyway. So, yeah. Summer of Blood. Not really necessarily a horror film, but it just happens to be a vampire. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Vampire and there's blood. So, that's enough. I guess. Cool. So, we have a very special surprise guest all of a sudden here on Attack of the Killer podcast. Justin Beam, everybody. Hey, it's Justin. Woo! Hey, guys. How's it going? <laughs> going pretty good. How are you doing? Oh, great. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> How's so this evening's show going? It has been swell. We're Real bloody? Is it like... Yeah. Like the opening scene of Carrie Bloody. Yeah, we handed out towels to everyone before we started. And plug, plug it, it up. up. Plug it up. Plug it up. We're talking about movies with the word blood in the title. And so That's far we've talked good. about Blood Glacier. Oh, um, fuck. How talk- is that, by the way? You gotta, just, just briefly, just like let me know the general gist of that movie. It's pretty if good. You watch it, it's not bad. Yeah, watch it in the original German with the subtitles, and then it's good. If you listen to the dub, you'll want to kill everyone involved. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. We talked about 100, 100 Bloody Acres. And then we've talked about the movie that the sh- you need to see. The shittiest movie of all time. <laughs> Blood. Oh, shush. Blood Beat. 
Blood. Oh, I've seen Blood Beat with the with the ghost samurai serial killer. You know he yes. loves Wisconsin yes! movies. Oh, good! Another hour you... on Blood Beat. Great. Okay, we no we we, we can skip it. I'll, I will I will say I thoroughly enjoy it though. That's a weirdo movie that is just a. That is a fun ride. Woo. Go ahead. We can move on beyond it, though. Oh, no, no. I, I got, we got to hear you talk about Bloodbeat, so. Exactly. Well, I, I, at least I got to know how you interpreted the ending. I don't even remember the ending. That's good. <laughs> how good it was. <laughs> I, I, I haven't seen that for so long. Um, a buddy who lives in the same building as me here, uh, he and I used to do these mo- movie nights, and he, he was... He's an like a real avid collector. He's similar to you, John, in that he's a completist for a lot of things. And once he gets into something, he wants all of whatever that is, whether it's a yeah. subgenre or from a certain distributor and all that. And he went on this samurai because because there is this small intriguing yeah. subgenre of samurai horror films or films that 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 blend super, a lot of supernatural elements with uh, samurai stuff well you know i'm a huge fan of ninja three yeah i I have that one and then another two pack from uh scream factory that revolved around ninjas but i ghost warrior and that stuff yeah 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 both also perfect you know totally within this realm and fun films yeah yeah and honestly you whoever mentioned wisconsin is exactly right because that's mm-hmm. actually what drew me to bloodbeat originally uh anyway i bring this up because jake had picked this film up and in one of our movie nights we did like a marathon of, of some of these movies and um all i remember about this one is that it was absolutely bizarre and that it has. It's similar to capture a Bigfoot in in really nailing. I mean, it 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 really swims in the Midwest, like the 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 ambiance that is Wisconsin. It really swims in that. And um, I don't know. I, I I just I I remember really really liking it and him hating it. And he sold it right away afterwards. And I Aww. wish I would have bought it from him. Is that is that your friend that likes to buy stuff and then sell it later? Yes, that's the guy. So he, that's the guy that I probably have a good chunk of his collection. Thank you, sir. Frank, no, I really think you do because he <laughs> goes. Awesome. We go through these spurts. He he goes and he's buying sort of explosions where he'll he'll go, like I said he'll get hooked on one thing and then he'll buy 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 and then he gets burned out on it and then he'll sell all of it. So he would he would go into half price books with a like a big rubbermaid tote full of just blu-rays and dvds at a time oh, and the I staff there oh yeah and the staff too like he walks in and they all just like their, their mouths start watering and and i'm i'm just I, the thought of how much he spent and then respent on this stuff because also he'll go back and rebuy it again later Jesus. it's yeah i don't know how many times he's purchased like the blind dead coffin box you know the blind really? dead yeah. So, yeah, you know that, co- that coffin box? He's bought that three t- bought and sold it twice and then bought it a third time. Now he, well, I assume well, he still has it. Well, now I know where know. My, that, my copy came from. That box came is from, awesome. Why would you get rid of it? It came that? from, uh, no from clue. Uh, half price, he, so it's got to be his. Yeah, that would have been. That been and, and the one that I have was the first time he was selling it. 
I bought that from him because I would, and, and, and he, you know, here's the worst thing. Cause we're going to make this podcast about a guy. No one here knows the worst thing about it is that but he's my hero. he wouldn't, he wouldn't announce this to me. He wouldn't say like, Hey, I'm kind of sick of Charles band movies. I'm going to ditch 200 of them. I'd be like, Oh, let me look at him he, or whatever. It's like, if I happen to like look out the window and I see him walk into his car with a tote, I put on my slippers and my shoes and pants if he's if if he's lucky, and then I would run down as quickly as I could into his car and be like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Ah, I'm selling stuff. Leave me alone." And I'm like, "No, I want to look," and because he knows that he's going to feel bad if he overcharges me for anything. So anyway, I've gotten so many movies from him that way, and yes, your collection has has to have some of that in. I can tell when he's been in there. When I walk into Half Price Books, I can tell because who the hell else in Cedar Rapids? Yeah. He's going to trade it. Some, some of mean, the weird I, shit that we like. I got, what is it? Is it Alien Factor or something from Retro Media? Like, signed and everything? Mm-hmm. Like, who else is going to buy that? Like, I'm wow. going to know everybody. That has <laughs> those, to have been. Those him. fucking things yeah. sold out on Amazon, like, the day they dropped. I and I, like, there's yeah. just, I, I really miss the days of when Half Price first came out. My, my uh, good buddy, uh, Justin, worked there. And actually, it became friends with a lot of people that worked there. I was the only person that liked weird shit. So they'd be like, oh, this is weird. Let's save this for John. I, oh my god. I mean, I got called in one day. They're like, you need to get here right now. Somebody just unloaded their entire horror movie collection. And at the time, the uh, Slumber Party Massacre 1 and 2, uh, you know, DVD set and stuff like that was like out of print. I paid three dollars for them, and they were going for like oh the new Concord version of it. Like way back, at, yeah, way back in yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I went in and cleaned up. Like it was glorious. And now they keep hiring people like the same weird shit as me, <laughs> and they make it difficult to buy stuff. Bastards. Well, yeah, no shit. Yeah. I should get a job there, but I you know fuck that. Do it. Oh yeah, fuck that. Fuck working in a place I would love. Fuck working. <laughs> you know, honestly though, you're kind of better off because. As I've always said, that place is just full of like loud talkers and farters. It's, yep. it's nothing but just walking yep. through people's bo and flatulence. What is with As you, farting there, like I'm going to look at the vinyl. <laughs> this guy John is. It's really true. At, is that it is true. <laughs> it's so true and so disturbing. How is that, that so that true? It, I don't <laughs> want to hear about how you have to pick up your child later later from do- daycare because your ex wife from like 20 years ago won't do it like i don't know it's there's why, why, why is your ex from 20 years ago still dealing with your child who's in daycare people that go in there kind of like trash <laughs> well i gotta pick up this kid so might as well pick up the other one and then i gotta go do that but like everybody lets you know what they gotta do that day i think that one of the one of the funniest things about half price books is that almost no one's looking at books there Right. It's it's a store that's like ninety percent books, and everyone's just sort of crammed and shuffling around like the video games and the the comic books and right and CDs and the DVDs there's, and stuff like that. There's like, one person that looks at the books, and that's my wife. Like I like to go back to the clearance this is, again. Now we're going to make yeah. a podcast about something else. No one gives a shit about. I like going back <laughs> to the clearance section, and you can find some great stuff there. And I remember at one point. Because they have a couple, most of their employees just kind of leave you to be. But there's a couple of them. There's one guy in particular who loves to strike up conversation about whatever. And I was back there looking and I picked up, a, I don't know, a Stephen King book. He goes, you know, that's the only way we sell Stephen King books here. I'm like, what? 
And he's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah, nobody ever pays even half price for them. They only buy them on the discount rack. Like, we have hundreds of his books and more in the back, but people only buy any. Anyway, b- because you can go back there in the clearance section and buy great condition books for like a dollar. Like, yeah. it's ridiculous. That's where I shop for books there, is back there. Not anyway, this episode brought to you by Half Price Book. <laughs> I was going to say, their clearance the section, you can window. find so many cool old pulp, but like Edgar Rice Burroughs and Clark Ashton Smith and that kind of stuff for like a dollar. Oh, nice. Their clearance <laughs> racks are amazing. Well, They've I, got so many Pellucidar yeah. books and stuff like that. I've told you how I used to get the uh, uh, Something Weird video stuff, right? They, somebody that worked there back when my friends still worked there, put it in the porn section. Oh, they still do that. They st- like they, they still had that little porn section where they would like lock stuff up, and there'd be a few yeah. movies in there. And I would just, somebody said one of my friends was like, uh, "They got some weird stuff over here that you should go look at." You know, I'm like, "Okay, you know, Hershel Gordon Lewis stuff." And like, I'm like, "Holy shit, why is this here?" So I would just constantly go back there and be like. Uh, I need to get something out of the case. <laughs> they would just look at me like, "Oh God, you sick fucking pervert!" Like, no, I need All that. Right. Oh, thank God, you're kind of normal. <laughs> you were the chronic masturbator of the day. Like, how's yeah. it going to be today, guys? Someone's going to go back and take a big fat shit that stinks the place up for half a day. You're going to have 18 people waddling around ripping meat, and then the next thing you got is one guy going to walk in and try to sneak in back with one of like the photo books of a photo tour of Africa or something, and whack it a whack away in the bathroom. And then and when you walk in there and you're like, you're you're like, where's the I need the key to the glass case. And they're, they're uh, like, oh, Jesus, it's the masturbator. Yeah, I always felt so uncomfortable, but uh, eventually Can they I realized I'm just going to buy that from now on. What? You're the masturbator. Nothing. That's fine. So a masturbator, they still keep them there. They still put them behind that glass case along with like copies of Playboy. Yeah, like, which... Like, there's, there's a big rush on that. And a lot yeah. of kids, man, we don't want them to get their hands on a picture of boobs. Right? Yeah. When well, then, Timmy can and, find better on the internet, but no, he really wants that copy of uh, Playboy from 20 years ago. Uh, anyway, promote a much healthier sexual attitude than some of the shit that Something Weird videos put out. Yeah. <laughs> so that's honestly very true. Picture, yeah, that, you know, a picture of a 1970 centerfold or the Her Flesh trilogy. The, the, the point of this is, I know where I'm going tomorrow. So, yes. <laughs> got a date with half price books. Lucky. She just so, a question for you, Justin, to slowly edge this back onto at least the topic oh. of movies that we have seen. Right, <laughs> Whether right. they have blood in the title or not. <laughs> uh, when your buddy was uh, on his samurai horror kick, did he have <laughs> or ever make you watch the Kibakichi movies? No. Oh, okay. Oh, shoot. There's two, two movies about a samurai werewolf. What? I must have. Like we need oh. this now. The first one is genuinely really good. The second one's a bit of a slog with a couple of neat points, but yeah, at least the first one you should definitely check out. It's great. Oh god, that sounds great. How do you spell that? I was gonna say. Yeah, K- everybody's typing this down. K i b a k i c h i, Kibakichi. Heck yeah, I want to check that out for sure. Thank you. Hell yeah. So, blood movies. Um, so, Justin, since you're just joining us, what blood movie would you like to discuss? Uh, oh, which one do I? There's so many. Actually, I did a quick a, a cursory search on IMDb and found 
There's not that not as many as I thought. There's less than 800 movies with blood in the title within horror. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Don't you figure there'd be more yeah, than 800? More. Yeah. I was kind of shocked by that. Like earlier comfort. today, I'm like, man, there's probably more like menstrual fetish videos than there are like straight up horror movies with blood in the title. So that's the second <laughs> menstruation joke of the night, by the way. So my favorite, and a movie that has been in regular rotation since I discovered it, is a movie that there's I'm almost going to guarantee myself no one else here gives a crap about. It's called Bloodhook. Who Blood else has seen Bloodhook? I have. When, when I saw you this get mentioned earlier, I started watching it like right before the show while I was writing Mike's intro for later. <laughs> because I, I saw when I looked it up that it was directed by Jim Mallon from Mystery Science Theater. Yeah. So I, I was hooked. Hooked. Ha-ha. <laughs> oh, oh man oh, man that's bloody good so the movie is really weird and, it, and again it's a real slice of midwestern americana it's and it, you you would think and i've seen and a lot of the media like press that it's gotten i think is really just because of his relationship to the to the mystery science theater you know that's the only draw i see bringing people there but it's this how do I describe it? It's a movie about about people being killed at this lake, and the weapon is this massive fishing lure, like red and white, you know, one of the floating lures that has three hooks hanging off it, the sort of three tined hooks hanging off it. And so you'll you know see people like I don't know whatever on the dock, and you see this thing come flying at him and like snag him in the face and then pull him in the water. And the whole movie is sort of a whodunit about these, of course, there's some kids who go there up to these woods in this lake for for musky days, and people are, the people around them are being off, and there's this fishing competition that is very much the center of the whole movie <laughs> that involves the musky maniac, this uh, Danny Dobbins <laughs> is his name, who is this guy. He's so ridiculous. There's this, okay, so you got... If you want to be a legend in Wisconsin or Minnesota or anywhere in the Midwest, you have to either figure out how to cook something and put it on a stick or shape something out of butter or something else involving butter or you have to be really good at fishing. And Danny Dobbins is the musky maniac. And as soon as these kids get there, they, they show up, they roll up, and there's this giant, I don't know what it is, sturgeon I've seen it on postcards. Have you guys seen this? Somewhere in Minnesota, they have one of these roadside attraction massive like sturgeons. Giant, giant fiberglass musky, yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And Danny Dobbins is in front of it, and these kids walk up, and he's like, hey, you want to challenge the musky maniac? And they're like, yeah, sure. And he, and he casts one, and he casts it in the middle of this floaty, this like circular floaty thing for a little kid. And he's like, ah, oh, perfect perfect shot whatever and this this is he's so stereotypically like fishing guy you know like they used to have the shows on pbs with guys fishing on sundays you know what mm-hmm. i mean anyway he's, he's real f- danny dobbins and <laughs> i'm breaking this down for you just because i love this fucking scene and so <laughs> these kids come up and they're like and he's like all right what do you got sugar and this kid goes well sure i'll give it a shot and he opens up this case that's like a gun case essentially pulls out his fishing pole, puts it together, and puts a kid's handlebar on the end of it with tassels hanging off it. <laughs> and Danny's like, get those off your tricycle. And ha, ha, ha. And the kid makes a perfect cast. No one can believe it. 
No one can believe how, how, how flawless his cast was. And Danny Dobbins flies into a blind rage. Uh, uh, honey, no tassels around here. That's cheating something I won't put up with. And that's, that's kind of sets the tone. It gets you disqualified. That sets the tone for the film. It is just this absurd... And everything played straight, by the way. Mm-hmm. There's no mystery science theater like winking. There's nothing. It's just... It's made as a very sincere effort to make a low-budget sort of backwater slasher film that I think has so much charm and so many weird characters. It has an awesome, very simple electronic score and the, a couple songs that are recurring throughout the whole thing that I love. And it's just become total comfort food for me. I mean, it, it's where, like, Grizzly... Yeah. This is paired with like Grizzly and these other movies that I just love that I put on when I just need to sort of wrap a blanket around myself. And for whatever reason, this has become one of them. And I discovered it at the same time. I didn't know about this film until I was up in the mountains in California when I had a lot of free time on my hands all the time. And so it's more and more everything that came into my world during that time is you know front and center in a lot of ways. And I just love the movie. And it's and it's it's trauma distributed it. Yeah. And they put it on DVD twice. The first version <laughs> of it is, yeah, the first version of it, it's on a two on a three pack with blades, which is about the killer lawnmower at the golf course, and something else. I can't remember what the third. Oh, it's uh, it's some throwaway like forty minute thing. I can't remember what the name of the third one is. And then they released it on its own, on, on a DVR thing. Like you know how. Like the print-on-demand thing that Amazon does, Troma does some discs through Amazon like that too. I don't know if you guys were aware of that. Huh. And what's really cool about them? Do you guys remember or have you seen? In the seventies, there were there was kind of a trend for a while with some video, some re-releases in theaters where they would have a bright yellow poster, like the border, the background would be bright yellow, and they'd have the maybe the movie art in the middle of the yellow frame. Do you remember those? Yeah. Have you seen that stuff? Okay. They did that. That happened. Okay. And these covers oh, okay. for Troma, they're, they're just the essence of simplicity. But it's re- it really uh, sort of it's reminiscent of what these '70s posters were, um, and '80s posters for these movies. So it's only been on disc twice. But Troma, a few years ago, dumped a, a tremendous amount of their catalog. I'm not sure if it's all. Mike, you may know. But Troma has a YouTube channel yeah. where they've just put all their movies out there for free. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's everything. Yeah, majority of that. I don't know if it's everything because I know I definitely know of some titles that are not on there. But the question is, is if you, they even still have the rights to those movies? You know what I mean? Because oh sure. All, all of their in-house movies are there. There's some of the oh, stuff yeah. that some of the stuff that isn't there were their uh, distribution titles. But Bloodhook is on there because that's how I was watching it right before we yeah, recorded. Yeah, same, same here. I watched it last and, night. Yeah. And as you were yeah. talking about, you know, uh, Bloodbeat swimming in the Midwest, well, yeah, he's, you know, everything in Bloodhook is played straight, but it's still funny and intentionally funny. It's very, yeah. you know, almost on a level of like Fargo of playing up the yeah. Minnesotanness of everything. Yeah, but some of those like those rednecky yeah. characters like those rednecky characters, like the character you were talking about, um the what was his name? Dale what? What was it? Um oh Danny Dobbins. Danny Dobbins. Um yeah. those all those Danny. like 
all those local yeah. characters are kind of played up to a little bit more of a cartoonish level. Yeah, for sure. Not like in but Blood, not... not like in Bloodbeat where they're they're still trying to portray what they think human beings are actually like. This is this yeah. is more of a little bit of a heightened portrayal. Yeah. And I, d- it I is. didn't get to finish it all the way through, but the, my the favorite part that I did get to see was a bit that you know if you had any questions before this part whether this movie was meant to be deadly serious or not, this will remove <laughs> any notion you might have had of that. Is when we finally find out who the killer is, and we see him pulling his. Uh, victims up like to check on them his catch. and, he's, and yeah. he's got them all on a stringer hanging off his dock in the cold water to keep him fresh oh, <laughs> yeah I it's love great. that it's, I mean, <laughs> no, it's I, so great I, I don't know if you guys have done a lot of fishing or not but I used to go up north uh, to uh, almost up to the boundary waters with uh, some cousins of mine every summer when I was a kid and we'd spend like a week up there fishing so you know I, I've put a lot of things on stringers <laughs> and so that kind of brought back a little little uh warm fuzzy feeling of better days (laughs) it's it i've always loved well i haven't ever been a fan of outdoor camping i love camps and i love renting cabins and stuff like that and what one of the things about that world that i think is so enchanting each one of them has its own little sort of universe it has its own little like a, a general store It'll have a little uh, maybe cafeteria-type place or at least a food stand. Like, it's a self-contained... You don't have to leave the grounds for anything. And this has a lot of moments at, like, the bait shop in the, um, even Denny Dobbins' little boat shack. Uh, I mean, there's a lot going on in the, for a movie with an obviously modest budget. And I've never looked into it to see how much it costs to be produced or anything like that. It doesn't really matter. But the, it, it has a... It's diverse in its settings, in its characters, and just little moments, silly little moments um, throughout the whole thing that that can keep you tuned in. And it's one of the most pleasant surprises I've come across in my in my forays. Cool. Sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It's a it's a fun little film for sure, absolutely, and not not totally what you would expect from from Troma either, as far as some of the stuff they they have. Um, anybody else got a uh, blood movie they want to bring up? Has anyone seen any of the Blood Island movies by Eddie Romero? Yep, um, yeah, Mad Doctor Blood Island and. Yeah. Brides of Blood, Mad Doctor of Blood Island, and Beast of Blood. I can't remember which one's which. I it, I know um, I've seen two out of the three. I know I've seen two out of the three, but honestly, I can't tell you which ones are which. Mad Doctor and Beast of Blood are connected, like they are a pair of. They share the same continuity, and one leads into the other. Brides of Blood is. Uh, I think Justin, have you seen the uh, Blood Island movies? By Eddie Romero, it, Filipino adaptation ha- flicks. I haven't, but that's another one that my buddy Jake he loved them, and they were oh, rich. Yes. And I think maybe around 
Thanksgiving or something for some reason. I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, there's no holiday connotation in the movies, so it would it could be anything, just a personal thing with them. But um, Brides of Blood, they they all take place on Blood Island, but Brides of Blood is a standalone movie, and that it uh, these people arrive on this island. They're there to do some science, <laughs> <laughs> and and it uh, it transpires that the villagers that they're staying with sacrifice women to this creature who uh, you know they'll, they'll strap them to these big wood frames and uh, next to a bonfire and lure the creature in to appease it and uh, the creature turns out to look something like if Grimace from McDonald Land if anyone remembers the big purple guy <laughs> the, yeah. the butt plug it, yes if, <laughs> if, if you dipped Grimace in shit and then microwaved him for half an hour that's kind of what the creature looks like in that. And then that sounds like a bird. Yeah. I always but, referred to it as the paper mache monster myself. <laughs> that works too. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Mad Doctor of Blood Island and Beast of Blood are um, connected with this character named Dr. Lorca who's doing experiments to uh, increase human longevity through uh, injecting people with chlorophyll, which his experimental subject turns into this horrible monster with these gigantic, uh, it's sort I don't know how to exactly to describe it. It's sort of like an ape wolf creature, except it's all covered in like melted seaweed and it's got these great big fangs. And, um, and in the, the second of the two, it's actually been beheaded and he's experimenting on its body so he can keep it docile so it doesn't try to kill everybody. And its head is like in a jar like Jan in the pan from the brain that wouldn't die, like just giving him the stink eye the whole time. Like as soon as my head's back on my body, I'm going to fuck you up something fierce. But yeah, anyway, they're, um, they are to me the gold standard of Filipino exploitation movies. Oh yeah, and totally. They're, they're, just wonderfully sleazy and there's so much fun they're really colorful and crazy and there's a really cool monster and there's you know some good gore and yeah anyway if if you can get your i don't know if they're still in print on dvd or not um i think image video put them out in a box set along with the pseudo because they were all distributed in the states by independent international which was sam sherman and al adamson's outfit yeah and when it came time for their, they wanted another one, uh, Eddie Romero's doing other things. And so Al Adamson just went ahead and made one called The Brain of Blood, which has absolutely nothing to do with any of them. But because it was an interne- uh, in independent international movie with blood in the title, they figured they could kind of trick people into thinking maybe it was the same thing. But it's more of a Frankenstein story, brain transplant kind of thing. But uh, anyway, you should be able to find that box set for fairly cheap. I don't know if it's still in print, but if you can get your hands on it, check it out. They're they're a lot of fun. I have a couple of them on DVD. I know I've got Mad Doctor, Blood Island, but I don't remember the other one. And they're released on, I think it's like Alpha something. It's one of those like public domain. Oh, Alpha Video, yeah. Yeah, Alpha and see, Video. The, 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 ones on the, the, the image box set actually have uh, extra features, like Sam Sherman does commentary on all the movies. Nice. And I think there's some trailers and some other stuff. So I mean, it's, it's it's well worth checking out the, the full versions. And there there's some that I would love to see done, uh, updated on Blu-ray, because they're, 
like I said, they're some of my favorite exploitation movies. They've just got they've got everything that you want: boobs and gore and monsters, and it's a lot of fun. Mad scientists. Yeah, they are fun. They are definitely. And you're right about colorful too. The uh, especially with like the monsters, the designs and the color scheme of the monsters are just like insane. So much fun. Well, another one I want to bring up. Um, it's probably one of my favorites, and that's I Drink Your Blood. Mm. Yeah. Has everybody seen I Drink Your Blood? Nope. Oh, yeah. You haven't, John? Wow, that's surprising. Oh, chill out there, buddy. No, I meant to watch it today, but, uh, yeah, got lazy. Huh. I'm shocked that you haven't seen this movie before, honestly. It's kind of a... Kind of a staple of 70s exploitation. Yeah, it's one of those movies that just, I don't know, kept slipping through my fingers, I guess. Like, I, I know that I need to see it, but it's like, oh, I'll watch this instead kind of thing. And it just kept going. Yeah, and basically, so I drink your blood. Just, oh, it's just, just the, just the plot line alone <laughs> is, is exploitation gold, man. It's, about a it's a it's a movie about these uh, group of hippie Satan worshippers who invade this this little coal mining town. Um, this girl gets raped, and to get revenge, the younger brother puts rabies inject injects rabies into meat pies that get turned around and sold to the hippies. And the hippies get infected with rabies, and they bite people and infect other people with rabies, and so making me hungry. It's right. So it's just a lot of foaming at the mouth and and people being crazy, and it's it's just awesome. It's so much fun. Lynn Lowry, and one of her first movies, as the mute a- <laughs> hippies. Yeah, and that's such a wonderfully childish idea for a revenge plot like i'll get back at them but not at all thought through on the level of what consequences it could have which turns out to decimate what little of the town is left because this town is like i want to say it's like at the foot of a dam that's about to be you know it's one of those towns where they were gonna create a lake there like blow the dam and 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 make a lake so everyone is evacuating and the only reason there's just a few people left in town is there's a construction crew working on that project and they've stayed there to keep their bakery open which is why there are meat pies in the first place but the idea of giving this vicious group of satanic cultists rabies (laughs) maybe not a real smart one on smart move on the part of the kid yeah, definitely. Um, a little comment on the Lynn Lowry thing because I uh, Grindhouse releasing just put this out on Blu-ray. <laughs> nice. With all and there's a commentary track with the director and God, I can't think of his name. Oh, a Bashkar, the guy who plays the head of the Satan cult, and the oh, director right. is saying like he he was hired by the producers. It wasn't like an auteur thing. He just made some other stuff, and the producers knew of him, and they hired him, and they said we want you to make a movie. That will outdo Night of the Living Dead because this came out what 1970. Yep, 1970. Yep. So I mean, this is like right at the beginning of a really nasty grindhouse exploitation. That was one of the fr- it was the first movie ever to be rated X for violence. Um, yeah. 
so it was like right at the forefront of this um, movement. And they said, we want you to make a movie that's going to out, out nasty Night of the Living Dead. And um, he got the idea from a real-life case of... Um, there was a village in the mountains of some Middle Eastern country, I forget what he said, like Pakistan or, or Iraq or Iran, one of those, where um, a bunch of the villagers had been attacked by a pack of wild rabid dogs and gotten rabies and then turned on the other people in the town. So there were like, you know, cages with rabid 12-year-olds like snarling and foaming at the mouth. And this was a real-life incident, so it was kind of a ripped from the headlines thing at the time. And uh, Lynn Lowry being in it, she came into audition kind of late in the process, and he said that when he saw her, she was like the most striking, beautiful, like, because she has this very odd, almost alien quality of beauty. Like, she's not like a supermodel type chick or anything like that, or, a, you know, a leading lady, a traditional Hollywood hot chick. She's just got this weird otherworldly look about she her. She reminds me of a character from uh, Dark Crystal. Yes. Oh, yeah. She's I totally see the that. Best. I mean, it's <laughs> the only way I can describe her to anybody. Is she, she looks like a character from Dark Crystal. But it works. But, yes. Yeah. I, but, I, she still looks I, like that. I've seen her in person. It's it's kind of weird. Yeah, I've, I've always found her very attractive. And the director was saying when she came into the casting room, it was like, oh, this face, I have to have her in my movie. Like, the, she's going places. This is going to be a big thing. And she's just this, such an amazing face. I have to put her in my movie. But it was so late in the day that there was no time to rewrite the script to put another character in. So that's why she's mute. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, she was, she's not even in the script. She was a complete add-on. Yeah. Wow. This movie was originally called Phobia. That was the the working title, and they changed the name to "I Drink Your Blood" to be a double bill with uh, with a film um, called "I Eat Your Skin." And I remember the trailer um, back in back in the day when I lived in Pittsburgh. I came across this tape, Mad Ron's previews from Hell, which I love, which is also on DVD. Um, yeah, I love me some Mad Ron's previews from Hell, and that's like one of the first one of the first two or three trailers that's on that on that compilation. And so I was just obsessed with trying to find this movie, and it took forever for me to finally get my hands on it, but just the trailer alone is so scuzzy and sleazy with with the narrator's voice who sounds like this, I drink your blood, I eat your skin. You know, so, like, I'm, I'm sold. It was awesome. What horrible acts would be done with this axe? This knife... This garden hose. Like, what, wait, what garden hose? What? So, yeah, I would highly recommend it. It's exploitation at its best, man. It's just a dorky concept, though. Like, did they really put enough thought into, like, the medical research on what what happens when you uh, get infected with rabies? You don't turn into mindless zombies, I don't believe, so... Anybody else have any other films they want to bring up? Blood Police of a Tunch. Yeah. <laughs> we live by the hospital, sorry. Actually, I, Malatesta's Carnival of Blood. Oh, yeah. H- has anyone here seen this? I still have not seen it, but I know it. I've 
We, you and I have talked about it a lot. There's, it's this weirdo little movie that finally just got a deluxe release from Arrow as as part of a box set that they just had. But it, I first I discovered it many, um, geez, maybe ten years ago or so, and I was so in love with it that I tracked the director down and interviewed him for Fango, and it's this movie from early seventies. I'm like, thinking around seventy two or so. 70. 1970. That's, okay. yeah, that's All right, yeah. And, um, by the basically what it boiled down to is that Christopher Spieth is the director, and he and some friends were part of this, uh, the, the, sort of an avant-garde film enclave, I don't know how to describe it, but they were, they were just shooting to shoot. They were coming up with ideas and just going out and making them. And they got access to to the, they, they came across this amusement park that was in complete disrepair, like rotten wood and the roller coasters and everything. It was still in operation th- for a couple months a year, but for the most part, people just steered clear of this place. And they thought, well, we need to write something around this joint. And so they came up with an idea for this film with a very loose structure. It's basically about uh, this kid goes, disappear, uh, disappears, and the his parents are going after him and they live in this stink living in this RV thing and they get jobs as carnies working at this carnival and really the, what they're trying to do is figure out what the heck happened to him and um, and so the so the whole film takes place in this environment but you're not just spending time with these two in fact the parents almost become background in the story it's really it's and I have this thing for amusement park movies you know, I always talk about that, but I think part of it is rooted in the dichotomy of the fact that the lights get shut off at the end of the day, or that these places end up eventually sort of falling into rot and just being left, because there's a lot of a, you know, abandoned amusement parks around the world, and I always I think it's this gorgeous and really tragic thing, and a lot of that dates back to the opening sequence in Lost Boys, where they're doing that, you know, there's, after you spend some time with the guys in the boardwalk and then you get this with the back to the pull back to the wide shot and the lights are shutting off the roller coaster lights shut off and all that it's this weird thing where you sort of shut off the happiness you shut off the joy and i've always been fascinated by that and this film really takes absolute advantage of this environment that they're in but the great thing about it the magic in this is in the performers and the sets because what they did was instead of bringing in set folks to fabricate like the underground dwelling area of all these, because what they are is they're essentially zombies in this place. And there's one guy, Mr. Blood, who is sort of a, he's a lot like uh, Coffin Joe almost in a way, in his look and the way these people follow him. And so you're seeing their world and spending time with them. For the sets, they, they repurposed found things. So it's all, garbage that they found they would go and they'd find like a Volkswagen Beetle and they turn it upside down open the hood they give it they paint the inside of it and now it's a mouth and they put eyes on it now it's this creature that's part of this whole thing that these people have to climb through a lot of bubble wrap and other just like refuse that's being reused as set set decoration set pieces it's, it's beautiful and a lot of really cool use especially when you're down underground with these zombie creatures of 
projecting horror, classic horror, sometimes unidentifiable horror, but like, you know, uh, Phantom of the Opera, for example, the Cheney Sr. version of Phantom of the Opera, stuff like that, being projected onto these people as they're sort of just writhing about down below. And there's weird casting in it, too. Uh, uh, Hervé Villachai, I'm not going to pronounce his name right, from Fantasy Island. Deplane, boss. Deplane. Tattoo from Uh, Fantasy Island. No. Yeah, I mean, he'd really be the only one that anyone really knows very well. But but he's in it as as, as essentially one of the henchmen uh, for... For, for Dr. Blood. And it's just, it's this beautiful, weirdo little movie that was only available through Christopher Spieth directly up for many, many, many years. And it was something that he wanted to do some to do more with until maybe a year or so ago, maybe a year and a half ago, it was announced by Arrow Video that they were going to be doing this American Horror Project series. And the first release has The Witch Who Came From the Sea, The Premonition, and Malatesta's Carnival of Blood. Totally, I mean, they, they pulled all the original elements and have a striking new transfer, a commentary, other bonus features. I mean, this film is the, is the last movie that I ever thought would see any kind of release like this, but it did. And this gorgeous box set with these other movies that have been similarly treated or mistreated over time. So... <laughs> I love it, and I, I, rec- I, I the box set is worth picking up just for that alone. But it's a one-of-a-kind movie that is absolutely out of this world and beautiful and melancholy all at once. Very cool. Awesome. Check yep. that out. Very cool. All right. Uh, any last honorable mentions before we uh, go to break for anybody? All right, cool, cool. Let's take a break, and when we come back, it'll be segments time here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. Good evening. It's intermission time. Our service is friendly and quick. You'll find hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, your favorite candies, hot and cold beverages, and other delicious snacks. So add to your fun of watching the movie. Visit our refreshment stand right now. We're glad to have you with us tonight. We hope you'll come to see us often. It's great to get out to the movies. Hey, horror fans. This is Mike, one of your troop leaders over at the Horror Scouts podcast. I, with my co-hosts Brian and Nick, want to invite you to check out our show. We post new episodes every Tuesday and alternate between movie reviews and general discussions about horror. So whether we're handing out merit badges for things like writing, directing, and gore... Or just talking around the campfire. We'd love for you to join us. Head over to horrorscouts.com for more info and subscribe to us on iTunes by searching Horror Scouts Podcast. You can also find us along with all the other awesome shows on the Phantom Podcast Network at downrightcreepy.com. And if you prefer social interaction over spending time with the bodies hidden in your shed, reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter with at horror underscore scouts. So grab your headphones and wrap a bloody bandana around your neck. It's time to sign up and be a horror scout. 
Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts is a weekly podcast that discusses grindhouse and exploitation cinema. Your three hosts, Mike. It's a quick. <laughs> Thank you. Come again. Not racist at all. Mark. If you bend over and you have what is essentially a pubic cottontail coming out of the crack of your ass, you need to do some goddamn grooming. And listener favorite, Iris. I do not have sex with that horse. <laughs> will make you question your own political correctness while laughing at theirs. Episodes drop every Sunday and can be found by searching BB and BC Podcasts via Lipson, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and iHeartRadio. You can also listen to episodes directly from the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com. Hey everybody, this is Wayne. This is Zip. Lori. Brian. Doug. And we're the Necronomicast, a weekly horror podcast brought to you by us, horror fans for you, horror fans. We talk about movies, books, celebrity interviews, your mom. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to say. Necronomicast. Uh, we also talk about streaming movies, new movies, as well as news in horror. And that's just a sample of what you'll get on the Necronomicast. <laughs> Do we say horror movies? <laughs> visit us at Necronomicast.com. Also visit us on Facebook and on iTunes and all that. Necronomicast. Uh, we'll scare the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> visit huh? us at Necronomicast.com for more madness and horror and blood. We're good. And it's time for segments here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. We'll start with our ever ego boosting favorite portion (laughs) the shout outs. It's time for shout outs! Alright, so on shoutouts today, you asked what's your favorite horror movie with the word blood in the title? Got a bucket full nice. on oh, Facebook. About, how do we did not talk about Bucket of Blood? I hey, wait your movie. turn. Oh, man. So up first, we got uh, Linnea Walker Morse. Morsey. Morse. 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 She's my, god, she's my god sister. She likes to pick She says me. Brian's favorite is Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> And Brian's like, what the hell? I mean, honestly, I don't mind the Harry Potter movies, so poop on you. But still, settle down, Brian. And then Terry's like, hey, don't be hating on Harry Potter. <laughs> Terry likes Harry True Potter. True that. Okay. I do. Uh, up next, we have Ted Good. He says, Friday 13th, Part 7, The New Blood. Woo! And my bloody Valentine. Oh, yeah. What the? How'd you miss that? <laughs> What's that? It's too obvious. You know, we honestly, we... You could do an entire separate podcast <laughs> just on this one topic because there yeah. are so fucking many movies with blood in the title. You could do a different one every week and keep the show running for a decade. That's true. So. <laughs> Up next, we have our pal Jake Book. Um, he says, a film so rare that all that exists is the trailer, a movie called Bloodshine. Bloodshine? Yeah. It's a... It's a 
It's a fun little short trailer that he and Sam Hayes made. Oh. It's pretty awesome. And he put the he put the link up in the comments, so y'all should go watch it. Give Sweet. him some hits. It's pretty cool. Jake's been itching so hard to make some horror movie. He tries and tries and someday Jake you can do it. Okay, up next we have Steve Vessel. He says the house that dripped blood. Blood Beach. And Blood Diner. I like me some Blood Beach. I rewatched that one for the first time in about 20 years last night. A lot slower than I remember it, but uh, it's still pretty cool. You know, for a movie produced by one of the Shaw Brothers, I expected a lot more out of that. That was produced by one of the Shaw Brothers? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was Run Run. Oh, huh. I'm pretty sure Run Run Shaw produced. The, uh, I, it was one. I know it was one of the two, but I'm pretty sure it was Run Run. That sounds like classic Run Run. Yeah, all day. <laughs> well, all day. there's Run Run and Run Me. Those are the two Shaw. That's the okay. Shaw brothers. When you see kung fu movies, it's like Menahem Golan and Yoram Globus. It's Run Me and Run Run Shaw. But their movies are notoriously crazy or great or both. And Blood Beach is. <laughs> Slow as hell, and you never see the monster. You see it right at the very end, sort of. <laughs> oh well, that makes it <laughs> you, better. You get part of it. I that, mean, that, that's yeah, kind of like you saying don't get the full for, scope, but that's kind of like saying at blood beat. You kind of hear part of the plot at the end, sort of. <laughs> good point. Good point. <sighs> but it's got John Saxon in it, so you know exactly. You so why are you bitching? Yeah, and, quit and your what's bitching. His, and what's because his name from great, Rocky? Yeah. Because there's a great Blood Beach Town-related movie called Blood Tide with James Earl Jones that you actually see the goddamn monster, and it's a cool movie, so ha! John <laughs> Saxon wins every time, sorry. James right. Earl Jones, Darth Vader. I don't care, I don't Doom. care. I don't, I, and I love, okay, I love up, James Earl Jones. Up next, we got Tim Letterer. <laughs> Old Tim, he says, Theater of Blood. <laughs> it's Vincent Price's most fun performance, which is really saying something. Ridiculous, florid, slightly bloody, and with some genuine Shakespearean themes in there. After all, cross-gender disguises showed up more than once in the Bard's actual work, and Titus Andronicus is an Elizabethan-era slasher movie about vengeance. Tellingly, the only critic to live through the rampage is the one who never wavers in his opinion of the mad actor being a bit of a hack and to quote my friend sean to be honest i'd follow deanna rig into obvious into an obvious death trap he goes on to say <laughs> that to sell it jason I'm sell trying. it baby <laughs> I, I'm, I'm too far away from this i can't read it um tim also says the blood of dracula has no blood and no dracula in it i saw it at the first b fest um, I attended and made jokes on and off for the next 16 years about none of the movies having the blood of Dracula in them. <laughs> but who goes to B-Fest? Me! Oh, that's right. Nerd! <laughs> and, uh, okay. Hey, awesome. Nerd. Up next, Dustin Matson <laughs> says, Innocent Blood is rad. Innocent Blood! I love that movie. Yes. Don Rickles as a pissed-off vampire. Wonderful. <laughs> <Fuck> yes. <laughs> and then uh, Derek Johns, who's awesome. He's a Patreon supporter, Derek Johns. He says, Blood Beach. 
I know these say bloody, but if they count, bloody birthday and my bloody Valentine. Keep up the great job, everyone. Even John. LOL. <laughs> Love me some bloody birthday, though. Whatever, Julie, dude. Julie Brown naked. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> Which is really weird that she was nude in that, because then you see her, you know, later on in her career, and you're like, really, same lady? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Makes yeah. you think she had some uh, work done, but whatever. Still love her. Still wouldn't say no. But anyway, next up, Brenda York says, "Blood Rage." It's not cranberry sauce. Classic B film. <laughs> And Brian Mc... Brian McNall? Nail? I can't say that. Says Bloody Mary. Okay. No? Okay. Uh, Jack Christensen <laughs> says Bay of Blood. Is that Mike? Uh, <laughs> that was great. Mike's like, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, Bay of Blood. We didn't get any into any uh, Bava either. We just got a, oh, a couple there. Also Miss Friday the 13th, The New Blood. Yep. yep. Yeah. Chris yeah. Hall says Blood Feast 1 and 2. I I know I've talked a lot about Herschel Gordon Lewis on this show, so I oh, left but... those off the list. <laughs> we did an entire episode dedicated to him. That's true. Yeah, we did. So, but, yeah. But like I said, we could do an entire different like we could do Attack of the Bloody podcast and talk about a blood movie <laughs> every week and we'd never ever stop doing it. It's just we'll never get all of them. True. And then our latest Patreon supporter, Jacob McLaughlin, says, The underrated taste the blood of Dracula. Yes! And a bucket of blood. Yes! There it is. Uh, Chad P.S. Walden says, First blood. No, that's not a horror movie. Yeah, but Chris Mulkey's in it. Is he talking about the the Rambo movie? I don't know. That's very gory. Yeah, it is pretty good. I guess if you put a hockey mask on Rambo, it'd, it'd be a horror movie. <laughs> yep, it's close yeah. enough. Uh, Pete, beside the, the John Wick movies, are the most violent movies I've ever seen in my life. Go ever. ahead, ever, ever. Really? I don't know ever. that last Rambo they was the, pretty fucking it, violent. That'd be just, two looks insane. The second one is just literally. It is two hours. Gunfire, oh, nonstop, glorious slot. violence. Oh. It's not. It's not just guns. It's also like, it's like gutting. It's like disemboweling people, stabbing them through the chin up to the top of their head, cutting throats, ripping heads off. It's absolute insanity from front it to back. Awesome. It, is a, it is a horror film. John Wick Two is a horror film. Did but you it's like good. it? I mean, horror oh, film. so fucking well done. Did you like it? I just? liked it. You know what was what I really like? I really liked it. Well, it's, the simple setup I think is great for both of them first one there's more investment like emotionally in it than the second the second is just carnage but what's amazing about it is it's a lot like the the most beautifully choreographed kung fu stuff because the majesty in these films is in the 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 practical stunt work and and in the the art of the violence so it's it's very much over the top with blood spray and stuff like that and but played straight and um, to a ridiculous level where it's it's beyond comic book. It's beyond like natural born killers. It's just it's it's insane. So it's a lot of fun, but it almost is a little overwhelming because you don't get a chance to breathe. 
throughout oh, the whole know, movie. You're just it's, it's just, just nonstop, incessant madness. And great yeah, respect to it, Keanu though. Reeves for doing like ninety percent of his own stunts too. Oh, that, that's what I heard. That dude is brutal. I don't know how he could put up yeah. with it. So much yeah, I, yeah, he's really good as long as he doesn't talk much. And these movies are perfect for that because he doesn't talk much. He talks more in the second than in the first. But uh, it's, he's, but it's yeah, perfect it's, for what the role for, is. It's perfect for him. Yeah, yeah. he's great. He, he, when he he's just a normal dude. He, he's not yeah. some super weird guy. He's not a horrible actor. Well, okay, he was in the beginning of his career. I mean, but now he's... He, he's what he needs to be. He he just kicks ass, conveys a little bit, little bit of emotion, yeah. but nothing like, you know, yeah. oh my god, I miss her. It's just like, I'm getting revenge on everybody that hurt me, and fuck them. Is <laughs> really yeah. what it comes down yeah. to. So much more it's intriguing like, than, like, like a Vin Diesel, you know, he's yeah. so much more than that. Yeah, anyway, and like bloody. Pete was saying, he was bloody. saying Blood the of the Vampire <laughs> from 1958 yep. was pretty crazy, too. <laughs> yep. And then and then the meat man, old Sean Davis, he says Bordello of Blood. Woo! Nathaniel Burroughs says Blood, the Last Vampire. Is that the, <laughs> an, is that, that's the anime, isn't it? Okay. I'm going to say, well, Live he's action. my buddy, so I'm going to say that's what he's talking about, <clears throat> the anime. Yeah, I think so. Dave Bowen says, Blood Diner, absolutely, a number one without doubt or hesitation. Blood Diner. It's been a while for that one. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Then James M. Hedrick says, Blood, the last vampire. Nope, that's <laughs> good. That's a good one. I hear it's anime, so if you're into that... <laughs> Cool. Uh, Nick Hunt says bloodlust subspecies. We know Justin oh, loves the subspecies oh. movies. I do okay. too. Which yeah. <laughs> which bloodlust now? Are we talking the uh, like late fifties, early sixties adaptation of the most dangerous game, starring the dad from the Brady Bunch that was on Mystery Science Theater, or is there another bloodlust that I'm not aware of? I think he's referring to the subspecies sequel that's called yeah. Bloodlust Colon spe- Subspecies. Oh, I, I thought it was Bloodlust. <laughs> Which is what he said. Talking about other subspecies stuff. All right. So, yeah, Nick didn't put a date. Okay, and then Don Carpenter says Bordello of Blood, just to toss in a new title. And then Ben Evans says Blood Beach. And then Noel Jason Scott says a movie I'm in that just got released today on Amazon Prime called Prey in Cold Blood. Ooh. I play one of the bad guys. Great cast. And you put up a picture of the title. Or of, of the cover. and got a little write-up nice. for it and link Pretty to it, so check that out. Yeah, way to be working, yes. Noel. That's awesome. Uh, Matt Garcia says, Blood Work. Jonathan Smith, he says, The Dorm That Dripped Blood. See, that was on the on the list to talk about, too. We just didn't get to it. And I meant to rewatch it before the episode, because it's been a while. A.K.A. Pranks. Pranks. It's a movie. It's I like it. <laughs> and Edward Smith, he's uh he's with Justin. He says 
Friday Thirteenth: The New Blood. Mm. Brandon Robinson says Blood Rage. Fuck it, that guy. I know. Yeah, who cares what he has to say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Is he Sutton? Brian and I want him banned. Oh. Moving on, Izzy Sutton says, My Bloody Valentine. Thanks, Izzy. Uh, Matthew J. Stacy says, Blood Feast. It's a classic. Yeah, it is. Peter Parker says, Friday the 13th. Spider-Man? No. Friday the 13th. Or is he? Maybe it is. Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood. And, of course, Color Me Blood Blood Red. Red. Oh, that trailer. He typed oh, it out just God. like you have to say it. Did Color, really? me, oh. blood, red. That's awesome. <laughs> it's fucking right. That's how you say it. Uh, huh? <laughs> yes, that trailer. Isn't it terrible? Great. They say it 500 yes, times in that 30 seconds. That one and the fat black <laughs> cat. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's just, and those trailers go on forever. <laughs> They're like, teenage mother. Big trip. She's too young for trouble, but can't stay out. You know that one. This is on that super. There's something weird trailer compilation, yeah, um, which is yeah. a gift to humanity, by the way. Yeah, it is. I love that. <laughs> so amazing. Teenage mother. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, well, no trailer no. repeats the what title the of the movie more than torso. torso. I knew it. Torso. <laughs> Color. Me, Jeremy uh, Jeremy Shock says, "Cool name." He says, "I drink your blood." Yeah, woo! Right? Is that a threat? Threatening us? I think so. (laughs) I'll I'll report that post to Facebook. Uh, Please do. Avenel Kello Kello. Oh man, Mike, pronounce that. It's uh, Avenel says, (laughs) "Blood." Blood Glacier. That was the best choice you've made in a long time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Blood Glacier. I hear it's good. I hear it's slow. No. Oh. Glacier, oh. Slow moving. Anyway. Uh, Thomas Gleba says Blood and Black Lace. See? See what? I don't know. Okay. Kinky. Uh, Rhett Kid says There Will Be Blood. Ah, new like another threat. Thank you. Oh, gosh. blocked. But that's not horror, is it? Um, I'm not sure if this next one's a real movie, but I'll say it anyway. Okay. Uh, Bruce Kahn says the sound of blood music. <laughs> I hope oh, it is right, yeah. and I hope it's just like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, where it's the sound of yeah. music. Bruce, post like, a link. I'm not sure it's real, but like mixed with a I don't know a Nazi Nazi exploitation film. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> it. And then lastly on Facebook, old Phil Herman says Blood Beach. I love for Blood Blood Beach. That's awesome. It's yeah. a it's a fun movie. I mean shit, but it's fun. I think it's a lot of memories of the video box, is what I think. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to be honest, like there's a lot of movies that were like, Oh yeah, I, uh, I love Dead Pit. No. And then you <laughs> You watch it again, and you're like, "Oh, that cover was cool. so cool, though." Yeah. <laughs> I, up. I actually cool. like Dead Pit. Well, it's not I like great. Dead Pit too. I have it. It's, yeah, it's not. But the, bo- 
the cover. Oh, the box. The box so trumps the film. I mean, that's one. That microwave massacre. Two of the greatest oversell video boxes oh, ever. Oh, two movies. I, two movies I adore. Hey, <laughs> let, let me finish, children. Two movies I adore. <laughs> But two boxes that are way better than the movies that I adore. Yeah, so I like a lot of the boxes for them. And then, uh, and also, know. no one said uh-huh. Terror at Blood Fart Lake. I knew Not that a was... single person yeah. wrote about that. <laughs> we almost made it! Almost made it, Mike. Blood Fart Lake. Fart. Blood Fart Lake. Oh. A lake of blood farts. No. With, oh, it's from movie. Mike's favorite director, Dude. and it stars one of his favorite on screen characters. The hilarious teen ape makes an appearance in it. <laughs> it's about a, it's it, it's about a rapist Sasquatch <laughs> at Blood Fart Lake. You and talk a big talk, but I don't think you've 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 turned it on like twenty thousand times that you've never made it all the way through. I have turned it on only maybe twice or three times. Well, only the, when you're here. I was gonna say that because <laughs> it was streaming two or three on times something. Times was uh, with me at least. And then, and then we turned it. We can't make it more than five minutes in, because we. Well, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, he said he's sorry. For which I'm part? So sorry. All three of those times. Turning it off. So what you're saying yeah. is it was once, twice, three <sighs> times a teen ape. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> he went there. I don't know if you and my and Mike just. Jesus Christ! I'm not sure. How did you make the cut to be on this show? <laughs> <I'm> not... <laughs> He had to sleep with somebody. Oh wait, that was me. Oh. <laughs> so over on Twitter, we have a Twitter, guys. Uh, your, your daughter is so much cooler than you. That's I'm not gonna talk about that. Yeah, no, she's pretty cool. She, she is amazing, by the way. So I do I don't have... know how I. She is awesome. So we have Twitter. Right? Yeah, we have a Twitter, okay. and people also <laughs> answered I on Twitter. That weird. Like Christian Comer at Songs for Life 24 says, Blood Song. And then old Joshua Brown at Josh3B Brown says, Theater of Blood with Vincent Price. And then maybe our longest Patreon supporter, our pal Bradley Taylor at TaylorBrad76 says, there's Friday Thirteenth Part Seven, The New Blood, or My Bloody Valentine from '81. That's all we had on Twitter, and that's all we had on Facebook. Guess what? That was shoutouts. Well, that only took Woo-hoo! an hour. Oh, a lot, lot of, of comments today. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, a lot of shouting. Lots of a lot threats. of derailing. Yeah. So, thanks for that, Jason. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's go over. <laughs> To Terry now with Wicked Women with Wear Tear. No howl? We don't. Oh, the oh, the oh, new oh, music oh. doesn't have howling, so it's oh, weird. So we gotta make up dumb. Oh, yeah, yeah, so you do it. Oh, okay, oh. anyway. Oh. <laughs> uh, today, we're going to just dive into the career of, of Miss Caroline Williams. Um, best known for um, Texas Chainsaw 2, um, which is really where she jumped into her horror career. 
Um, after that, she went on to be in films such as Stepfather 2. Um, also, I don't know, I had to look this up because apparently she was a, an uncredited um, cameo in Leatherface Check. Texas Chainsaw 3. She was a reporter for a brief second. I didn't remember that. But yeah, little trivia. Um, Continuing on, um, she was in a lot of TV stuff, not necessarily horror, throughout um, the early 90s. And then she was in the winner of a movie, Leprechaun 3. That movie (laughs) rules, by the way. Oh, that's the best one of the series. Just saying. That's not a good... No, yeah. it's not, but it's still like, the best one of the series. Yeah. Like, it actually has the best <clears throat> lines. But yeah, it still sucks. Uh, and, you know, more more TV stuff. And then eventually she went on to be in um, the Halloween 2, the new Halloween 2, Rob Zombies. Um, and a few other uh, more independent horror films. Also... Hatchet 3, uh, and Contracted, which is awesome. She was great in that. She was great in that. And she's been doing, she's really kind of had a resurgence back into horror lately, it seems like. Um, She did a film called Tales of Poe, which has a pretty, it looks like she was in it with Debbie Rashawn and Adrienne King and Amy Steele. Well, I don't. I don't know much about this film, but it looks like it could be pretty awesome. Um, that was at Hot Springs, I felt, the second year. Oh, sweet. Or maybe it was the first year we played. I don't know. Anyway, that Bart Mastroini or whatever his name is was the director. And yeah. he was just starting to take it around. And I remember the same impression, like, holy crap, look at this lineup. Yeah, it's insane. Um, and then... She was in Tales of Halloween. I'm not sure if I've seen that one. I think that's on Netflix right now. Um, and, of course, Sharknado 4, The Fourth Awakens. <laughs> the titles, they come up with those things. Um, then Blood Feast, the 2016 Blood Feast. Um, and then she has an upcoming film called Phantasma. But, you know, she's really... I haven't seen a lot of her um, on social media. She does have a Twitter and a Facebook. She isn't do, uh, isn't super active on those, but we have seen her out at conventions and and whatnot. So she's kind of starting to make the rat, that circuit. Um, but yeah, she's she's definitely getting back into the the swing of things in the horror horror genre. So we look forward to seeing more from her in the future. Mm-hmm. Big fan. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Cool, cool. Thank you, Terry, for that. And now, after being on a hiatus for a while... For a long time. <laughs> it is time, once again, for Altar of Stalter. <laughs>
Oh man, it has been a long time. Long time, guys. Long time. Long. 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 Couple days. Brian, you want to get out there on that long? <laughs> long. That's pretty good. Yeah, I gotta go to the bathroom now. But anyway, so it's been a while since I've done any any of this. Uh, I'm gonna talk about the movie Truth or Dare, which I'm pretty sure I discussed little bit on the podcast before uh, for my year-end list, but I rewatched it today, and it's the directorial debut from Jessica Cameron, who has been in the horror business for for over a decade now, and I I can honestly say this is one of the most fucked up movies I've seen in a long time. Whoa. Has anybody heard of this, other than when I mentioned it? Like, has anybody seen it online, that kind of thing? No, I mm-hmm. still haven't. So, I'm aware so, of bas- it. so basically, the whole story is uh, a group of friends have this. Uh, sorry, my cat wants to run around on my lap. A group of friends. We all do. <laughs> well, of course you do. Uh, a group of friends have this. They they started their like own, not YouTube page, but they started this thing called uh, um, the Truth or Daredevils. Where they just kind of do a, a a truth or dare game, and you know shit happens. Uh, they become internet famous. Well, that also attracts a really creepy psychotic fan who uh, essentially stalks them and uh, takes over one of their uh, one of their videos, and it progressively progressively gets worse. Like. He's just making them like say, "Hey, you know, did you? Who was the last person you slept with?" Well, if you lied, he stabs them, and it just keeps going from there. And one of the like, it starts off like kind of fucked up. God damn it, cat! Like one guy, it turns out he's a uh, pedophile. Like the last, he's like in his late twenties, early thirties, and the last person he slept with is a twelve-year-old girl. And that is literally not the most fucked up thing in the entire movie. Mm. Like, it goes from there. They they take it from, you know, kind of fucked up to, oh my god, I can't believe they're fucking doing this. Like, one guy has to cut off his own nipples, and it's just, it's just a round table of truth or dare that progressively gets more and more fucked up. And it's actually pretty well acted, too. Like, the guy that plays the nutbag... He's creepy. <laughs> the Brian's, the only, Brian's the only... Nutbag. <laughs> nutbag. That's, That's his word of the day. It's nutbag. It's nutbag. Hmm. Uh, Brian's the only person on the show that'll probably know who I'm talking about, but he looks like um, a meth head version of Rob Flynn. Rob okay. Flynn. Yeah, yeah the from singer Machine. from Machine Head. Yeah, see, Brian's the only one that's going to know who I'm talking about, but just greasy, nasty loser, lives in his parents' basement, just like Rob Flynn. I was going to say, Rob Flynn kind of looks like a method version of Rob Flynn. It <laughs> <laughs> totally does. But, uh, oh my god, the movie's fucked up. It was just released uh, within the last couple of months. Uh, it was made a few years ago, but just had to find distribution and whatnot. It did the, the festival circuit. But uh, for being the debut from uh, Jessica Cameron, like it, she shows promise. Like she can totally make a fucked up movie, and this is definitely up there. 
If, I mean, if I'm saying it's fucked up, then, mm-hmm. yeah. There's some uneasy shit to deal with in this movie. That is a hearty recommendation. I'll be checking yeah. that out real soon. Yeah, that's shit. Yeah, it's it's not... I mean, the, the violence is pretty well done. The special effects are okay, but just the overall package is just... It's uncomfortable as fuck, dude. I'm just... Yeah, it's... It's out there. It's. I wish. I mean, it's it's doing pretty well in its own right. But I wish more and more people were uh, recognizing it for what it is. Just a straight up fucked up horror movie. Well, I certainly will. I love movies that make me feel like I need to take a shower in borax. Oh, this will, dude. And it's yeah. But yeah. Nice. I, that's what I got for tonight. Alter Stalter. John, John, John does stuff occasionally. The professor sat next to me, staring into the fire and sipping his masato pensively. Across the clearing from us, the old women of the tribe spit mouthfuls of drooly, chewed-up yucca root into earthen jars for a fresh batch. As I drank my own cup of fermented crone expectoration, the shaman and his initiates led three cows into the clearing. A group of children carried up an enormous bronze tub and set it down by the fire. Professor, what are they doing? I asked. Something only a handful of outsiders have ever witnessed, he said. The thing we came here to see. The ritual of sounders. I thought you said that was just folklore. Would you have agreed to come here with me if you thought there was a chance it was true? Even in their language, the word literally means insane. But summoning summoning some kind of monster, not just a monster, an envoy of the gods, a blood golem. All right, but summoning a blood golem to choose a sacrifice to appease the gods that live at the top of the mountain so that they stay on top of the mountain instead of coming down to destroy the world? Well, it is insane. The professor just cocked his eyebrow and motioned for me to watch. The shaman's men led the cows up to the tub and held their heads over the basin. The shaman passed his hand over the beast's eyes, and they went still as stones. Then he pulled a long knife from a sheath on his belt and slit each of their throats. The cows stood patiently as their lives drained into the tub, and when the flow dwindled from streams to droplets, they collapsed in the dirt. The men dragged the carcasses away to be butchered. The shaman threw a handful of powder from a pouch on his belt into the vat of blood, and all the villagers began chanting, Sounders! 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 I began to feel embarrassed for them that all this pomp and circumstance would result in nothing but some dead livestock and a big tub of blood, which I sincerely hoped I wouldn't be asked to drink from. I turned to the professor and opened my mouth to speak, but the look on his face made the words freeze in my throat. I turned again and saw a humanoid figure rising up from the blood in the tub. No, it it was the blood in the tub congealed into a shape like a disfigured man. The crowd around the fire was silent as the blood thing stepped out of the tub and began walking around the circle of gathered villagers. It seemed to be sniffing the air around each person, 
its inhalations made glutinous, bubbling, slurping noises. I could see by the light of the fire a hideous, gaping aperture in its face that gurgled and flapped as it tested the scent of the villagers. I was as still as the dying cows had been by the time it made its way around to us. It smelled the professor, and then it moved on to me. When it smelled me, it paused for a moment, sniffed again, then leaned down and dragged its quivering, gelatinous tongue across my cheek. I couldn't take it anymore. What the fuck is happening? I said. I tried to whisper, but it came out of my clenched throat like the sound of air coming out of a pinched balloon. It's chosen you, said the professor. I could hear the regret and sadness in his voice. You are insane's pick. It's yes. my seat. It is time once again for Insane's Pick. And what is the film for this episode? It's from 1973, a rather forgotten lost film by the name of Warlock Moon, a.k.a. Blood Spa. Better known as Warlock Moon. It was written, produced, <laughs> edited, and directed by William Herbert. Uh, William was um, more known as an actor in the early 1970s, and Warlock Moon was his directorial debut. And after he made Warlock Moon, he basically disappeared from the movie scene altogether. So what is Warlock Moon? Well, it's about John, John and Jenny. They meet on this college campus after John has kind of been stalking her. Um, wearing um, Groucho Marx glasses and nose um, and talking in a Russian accent, basically begging her to go on a picnic in a scene that would you would see in a very cheesy romantic comedy. She finally caves in and they go for a drive on the countryside when they happen upon the remains of a long-abandoned resort spa. After doing some exploring, they find Mrs. Abercrombie in Finch still living in the crumbled building. John and Jenny leave and decide to come back that weekend so John can do can do an interview for the college newspaper um, where he would interview Mrs. Abercrombie and Finch about the old spa. This time, things are becoming very suspect for Jenny. She actually gets there, uh, they drive separately, and she actually gets there before John, and so she's there all alone, and it looks like nobody has lived there for years. Mrs. Abercrombie and Finch are nowhere to be found. Um, the building is way more dilapidated. All of her furniture's gone. And like her flower garden out front is completely dead. She bumps into a farmer, or, or not farmer, I'm sorry. She bumps into a hunter who then tells her uh, about the rumors as to why the spa was closed down years ago about how a person was killed and then fed to the other guests at the spa on the on a night of a party. So basically it ends up turning out um, 
the the hunter leaves, then Jenny bumps into Mrs. Abercrombie and Finch, and John finally shows up, and everything seems back to normal as the time that they were there before. Or is it? So make a long story short, too late, turns out that this is the headquarters of a satanic cult that performs cannibalistic rituals on unsuspecting visitors. Will John and Jenny make it back to civilization alive? Will anyone believe their story? Or did it even really happen? I'm not going to tell you. You're going to have to watch the fucking movie. The acting is pretty good in it. It actually it stars... Um, oh, I didn't write it down. That's just great. It stars uh, one of the... Uh, one of the... Uh, I think the oldest daughter from Eight is Enough. I'm going to have to look. Sorry. Okay, so it stars uh, Lori, Lori Walters from... She was uh, best known um, uh, from Eight is Enough. And uh, Joe uh, Spino, who is in, probably best known for Hill Street Blues, but has definitely had, out of anybody that uh, was in or worked on this movie, had a much more successful uh, career uh, than anyone else. Um, and so, you know, you get a little bit of a more high-quality actors in this film than a lot of your... Um, you know, uh, no budget movies, horror films from the seventies, but uh, um, still earlier in their careers by far. So I thought the acting was pretty good. I thought it was well well written, and there is an actual stinger at the end of the credits, the uh, the very end of the movie. Um, spoiler alert: Our heroine escapes. Uh, what's happening to her? She goes and gets the police, and her and the police investigate. What is now, again, an abandoned resort, like, all the evidence is gone, and that whole scene plays over the credits, to where they end up throwing her in jail, and then there's a little stinger right at the end of that. So, I would highly recommend checking it out. It's completely a very lost and unknown film, and I would have never heard of it if it wasn't for the fact that Shriek Show, <coughs> excuse me, put it out on DVD a few years back, um, under their, uh, uh, well, under the Media Blasters put it out under their Shriek Show label, and one of the things that I love about the disc it's one of, it's part of that series of Joe Bob Briggs uh, comedy commentaries, so it's got a great Joe Bob Briggs commentary track uh, throughout the movie that I would highly recommend checking out, and he would tell you everything that you would need to know about this movie, probably more than the people that made the movie know about it. So. I would definitely, if you could find that disc, um, I don't know if it's ever been on Blu-ray, but, you know, probably not, um, but, uh, I would definitely recommend the DVD for at least Joe Bob Briggs stuff, but that's the Insane's pick for this episode, Warlock Moon from 1973. Yeah. Okay, so that's it. That's our discussion on blood movies. Like Brian said, we could do a whole separate podcast just about movies with the word blood in the title. But I think we talked about some major gems, Blood Beat. Oh, so. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully uh, we uh, talked about some movies out there that uh, you, you listeners may want to check out. Uh, any, any final thoughts from anybody before we uh, close it out? I, my final thoughts is uh, this violent shit collection that Jason has pulled up on his uh, computer here that uh, he's going to order for me for my birthday. Um, so anyway. 
<laughs> so as this episode draws to a close, I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, thank you all for the for those of you who have been listening to us for all these years. And also thanks to all of our new listeners, as I am sure that this episode would draw some new blood. Oh my gosh. Good night, oh, everybody. Yes. He went, uh, ignore him. Oh no, could this be the end of... What?